the Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. And then that happens. This is what happens every podcast. You have these fucking awesome conversations. You get rolling, and then we play that music. And all of a sudden, we got to start from scratch again. And we forget what we were just talking about that we were like saving yeah. for the podcast. What were we talking That's about? A, we have a very inefficient way of starting <laughs> the show. And we've never analyzed it until this moment. I've never, always thought the best like talk show, like tonight show thing would be as soon as the guests walk in the stage door backstage, they yeah. should just be getting filmed and then play pieces of that. Yeah. You yeah. know, because who gives a shit once they sit down and they tee it up? It's like, I can tell you the end of George Clooney's story. Yeah. His mom made cookies, and then uh, she got a hit on. Ball! Who gives a fuck? Who I agree. Who gives a fuck about your little prepackaged, dry-ass story that you've done on four other talks? You know how many talk shows now? You see guys promoting a film. There's this website that tells you all the late-night shows' guests for the next two weeks. And you'll see, like, Paul Rudd. Go fucking Daily Show, Tonight Show, Letterman, Conan, you know, and then start working your way down until you're on, like, uh, Jimmy, uh, what's the guy who does uh, the late, late NBC show? Jimmy Fallon? No, 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 no. It's no, like, not he Jimmy does Fallon. music. He was on MTV. Not Jimmy. Um, Jimmy Conan, Stewart. Uh, Carson Daly. Carson oh, Daly. Yeah. Carson Daly is still on television yeah. For 10 years. I like his taste. Yeah. I find a lot of weird, creepy bands and movies from that guy just really? because he's he's kind of like cutting edge hipster. Like, he, he, there's a reason why like he was on MTV our same generation. Now he's older. So he, he does give some cool taste of music once in a while. So you watch? Uh, it, when I catch it, I always, I'm interested because he does uh. pick little random cards out of the blue that you, you maybe you haven't heard of, like music wise at least or movie wise. I don't know. I, I don't think he's bad. I, I'd take him over. Leno and No, I never said he was bad. Shit, no, no. Don't put those no, no, things no. are fucking hard, man. <laughs> no, but- those things are really hard to do. It's really hard to do a talk show like that and be even remotely interesting. It's so segmented. It's like you never really get a chance to get rolling. You're just trying to like interject and say witty things in this really brief story. It's like you barely get to know someone. Like under the 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 idea of this uh, this breaking it up and for these long ass commercials and you know you talk in between the break and then when we come back you know and then mm. it just it's it's so fake and hokey. You remove yeah. yourself. And the good guests just say, you know what I'm going to do? He's going to introduce me, and I'm going to tell a great fucking story, yeah. then we're going to go to commercial. But if you try to fake that you're hanging out talking, that's, that's torture. Especially when you're using an <laughs> Alienware computer, right, Joe? Yes. It's hard to do, man. It's, it's hard to do that job. That's a really difficult job. This is way easier. It's way easier to do a podcast. Like, yeah. there's a, yeah. Yeah, because a podcast, you just start talking. You know, a show like that, like you have to, you have to operate within like this really narrow frame of time. Mm-hmm. Like, what if there's like a really intense subject, <clears throat> something that is uh, really controversial to you and the person that you're talking about it with? Like, sometimes it might require a long time to delicately work through some weird subject. Like, if you know? a guy comes on and, and he's talking about his wife just had an abortion or something. That could do it. Yeah. It could, yeah. I mean, there's no part two to that. Lines. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like there's there's certain things that when you're, you're, you're talking about it, you need some time. You don't want to have to go, uh, go to freaking five. Mm. You know, like, come on, really? Okay, and we'll be back. Because the host 
has yeah. to fill every second. They yeah. get uncomfortable when the thing's not going well, so they, they jump in like some dysfunctional enabler. Yeah. The commercial ruins the conversation. It ruins it. It fucking kills it. It's the death of it. And the idea that you have to do a commercial at a certain time, like Opie and Anthony have commercials, but they just talk until they're done. And then they go, all right, you guys want to take a break? Let's take a break, play some commercials, we'll mm. be right back. And it's completely organic. Yeah. It's like you're watching separate shows. You're, like, you're watching one hour and a half show where they didn't go to commercial, and then another hour show where they didn't go to commercial. And then they'll go to commercial. Well, And also, you don't get the sense with Opie and Anthony or um, podcasts that we're talking the way two human beings talk. There's a rhythm and there's a pace, and there's not... There's not high IQ moments every three seconds. Like when you yeah. watch a monologue in an interview, you had 20 writers mapping every word. So to me, it's off-putting, and I think it is to a lot of Americans. Sitcoms are the same way. Human beings don't have conversations the way they do on sitcoms. So that's why people started wanting reality TV. They were like, this shit is, makes me feel uncomfortable because it's not real. Right. Yeah. It's, it's clumsy. It's like the way the president talks to the, to the people. Mm. That's the same sort of thing. It's the same sort of animal. It's like, like seeing Gene Simmons on his show. That's just a noise the fuck out of me. Because, the fake stuff. Because it's not part. only fake. It's just really <laughs> dumb fake. Like he glued dildos to his hand. You know, like really, like this. Yeah, you know, I have to believe that you glued a dildo to your it's hand. It's so unfortunate. <laughs> Do you but know? I what? guess he's just trying to keep doing it. You know Bobby Lee, right? Sure. Apparently, uh, and this apparently he's talked about this. I'm not. I'm not outing him about this. When he goes on the road, he buys... <laughs> How many times have people had to say that <laughs> statement in reference to a Bobby Lee story? Which, who, by the way, I, I love Bobby Lee. Love I Bobby love, Lee. I really do. Have you I mean, loved truly. Him? I love you, buddy. But you know what he, why? Because he's vul- He's a broken toy, yeah. and he knows it. We all know it. So you don't have to... So that's why I'm and calling he's a story. sweetheart of a guy. He is. he is, but he goes on the road, he buys three bottles of Elmer's glue, and <laughs> at night he pours it on his hands and then peels it off. Are you serious? That's oh so cool. Oh, my God. And I heard that, and I was like, I want to fucking do that. Dude. Oh, my God. You know those markers, the Crayola markers? You can bite off the end and then pull, take out the uh, ink yeah. out of it. You put that in a glue overnight, and it'll turn whatever co- color marker. So you put it on your hand, you can make it like green Hulk hands, so it looks like you're peeling off. Nice tip for Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, you should. What are you, 12? Your daughter told me. What the fuck is wrong with you? What the fuck is wrong with you, man? You're like a stone monster. That was a late reaction show. He's got a hole in his brain, folks. He took too much ecstasy. He's like that commercial where they show the hole, do a 3D of his head. God, can we just talk about how ecstasy is just so amazing? That is so amazing. It's got a hole in his brain. It's such a truth serum. It's leaking. It is a truth serum. It really breaks apart your life in front of you, like, really accurately. Like it's really nice. It's if you if you talk about I don't want to tell don't do ecstasy, but in my opinion, uh, like if like mushrooms never really seem like they kind of help me when I'm like yeah that's cool if walls look like butterflies and stuff. Where ecstasy actually kind of like like almost like you just start talking about shit that's bugging you and like like I I I was really angry the other day and I just kept on like why am I so angry? Everything I'm saying is anger, and it, it like it really showed me immediately like what was wrong with me at that point it's like a psychiatrist in a pill it was weird <laughs> hmm have you done it much you've done it once or something i did it once yeah it's don't do it but it's amazing <laughs> i did a long time ago but it wasn't good then. don't it's do got, it apparently but it's amazing. Got a lot better yeah it's i had amazing. a i had a positive experience like i learned something from it but i also realized that the physical toll yeah is uh Pretty substantial. Yeah, your body takes a big hit. Well, I fled a lot of five HTP and a lot of counter 
fucking ecstasy fix my brain juice right. and stuff. Right. And so I, I, I do it right. Like I've never the next day felt sh- like shitty. Like a lot of people wake up the next day and feel depressed and they would, you know, yeah. I've never felt that. Well, that was originally how on it was uh, conceived. Right. That roll was, on and roll yeah. off. Or whatever. Those, those were like some of the first products. Yeah. And the idea being to help reboost your, your neurotransmitters after you go on a binge. Oh yeah. After you've, yeah. yeah. I love that instead of us working towards people, you know, becoming sober, we work towards fixes. <laughs> just like hangover Jews. <laughs> Just adopt. Don't change. Yeah. We just say it's too fun. Yeah, it's too fun to not indulge. I like to every down with my head, man. It's going a liver cleanse or something. What's that? Can you turn these down? Turn you down. Yeah. What's going on here? I feel like I'm at an ACDC concert, except it's you guys talking. Better. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, he's on a different channel or something. We all have our separate volume channels. That's crazy. Man. That sounds so deep. We all have our own separate volume. Well, who did you have on last? They probably turned it up. I don't remember. Whoever it was probably had come in their ears. Whoa. How dare you? How dare you, silly boy. Yeah, that ecstasy's not good for you, boy. Yeah. Oh, Eventually, I'm, it's going to rot your head out. I, I literally do it once every, like, four months, something like that. I don't do it, like, every week or something crazy. But even once every four months, you pr- that's hitting it kind of hard. Well, they say that it does fuck with your receptors, that you can't get happy. It's like the uh, same thing with opiates. If you, if you take them too much, you, you clog up the receptors, and the only oh. thing that gets through is the drug. That's oh, why it's no. so hard to get off of those fucking pills. If yeah. I can get in, it's brutal to get off. Oof. I could easily stop, never do ecstasy again. I've had <laughs> several friends, several people that I knew and grew up with who became pill, pill, pill people. Yeah, it's, I've seen it happen. I've seen people lose everything. See them lose their shit for pills. Yeah, that shit's creepy. It's weird. Well, it's a Artie went weird through it. thing. You know? Yeah, he went from taking the pills because it's basically heroin. It's the same yeah. makeup, and yeah. then he couldn't. He didn't have pills one time at a club, and some happy little helpful doorman said, "Well, why don't you just snort some uh, heroin? I got some heroin." And boom, over. Wow, Jesus Christ. I took a I had shoulder surgery a couple summers ago, and they gave me like it way too easily. You know, right. my my surgeon gave it to me, then my uh, general practitioner gave it to me, and uh, I had a supply going. And I took that shit for six months. I was taking not a ton, maybe three, four a day. Wow! But it Damn. started to feel like when I didn't have one, I was not feeling good. Oh, and then when God. I stopped, it was some fuck those toughest two days of my life yeah i've Dark. heard that the withdrawal is like almost some people they just can't take it it's like a torture and they just quit and they go back on the pills and say you know i'm i just can't do it yeah it's terrifying how easy it is to get them it's terrifying how like quick people are to take painkillers yeah. I mean, I'm, good. I'm, easy, more, I'm I like drinking more than any of this. You know, like I think right. that's just something that I could relax, have a few drinks, feel good. But I, I don't never got into having like cocaine, and it seems like that's just like once you you do it once, the next day you wake up and you feel like shit. Well, I don't want to do that again. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't get addiction of pills. And- well, I think that opiate thing is a totally different monkey. I think once it grabs you, it just grabs you by the balls and just entwines itself with your system. When you get that monkey on your back, that's a completely different experience, I think. The opiate one seems to be more of a intense physical experience. Yeah, it is. You know? And I'll tell you what, 
I got a friend who's been doing it for five, six, seven years. He's a very successful screenwriter. Cannot write without it. When he take because writing is uh, it's scary, and if you lose all your fear and you write with abandon, that's when you do good writing. So he started taking them because it got him out of his writer's block. But now Ugh. you start taking it just to get normal. That's when you're in trouble. When yeah. you're not even getting high, Jeez. you're just trying to crawl back. They're terrifying, and it's you know, the, what, what people and, and people will call me a hypocrite because I smoke so much weed. Hypocrite, hypocrite. But I can stop and take a week off, and I feel no physical effects. Like I did recently, I went to Hawaii. I didn't get high for a week. I didn't. It didn't bother me even a little bit. It's like there's no withdrawal effects. Mm. There's nothing. I don't think people understand that. I mean, some people think that there's some sort of a psychological withdrawal effect that some people go through, and then there's people that just their body just completely behaves differently than the normal person's body. Yeah, and they have much more of a proclivity towards addiction. I mean, there's some people apparently that like any sort of a change in a state of consciousness. Oh yeah, they can study the brain. They they can yeah. look at chemicals in mm-hmm. the brain and see an addictive brain and the way it behaves. It's very yeah. different. It's fascinating and. So there are, I mean, I would never say, I mean, look, some people die from eating peanuts, you know, I would never say that, uh, you know, my, my experience in, in taking anything is the same as yours. So for some people, pot might just be this impossible ride into the depths of hell. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and then immediately they're hooked on it. It's not to me, but yeah. to someone with some really funky, weird genetics, someone that can die from cranberries or some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. one of those weird people. No, I mean, addiction to my family, everybody. I mean, my, da- my dad died at 51, basically, drinking and Ugh. smoking and, uh, you know, three and a half packs a day. And, uh, I'm sorry, so I hate hearing that shit. And aunts and uncles, everybody's got addiction. So God. I quit drinking 21 years ago. I was 25 years old when I quit drinking. Dude, I remember. I remember Greg pre and post. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, uh, for me, it was like, I know I got it. So the addiction shifts. You go from one thing to the next. And for me, it was uh, drinking, went to working, Mm. went to sex. And I really believe that, I don't know what a sex addict is. We all want to fuck all the time. You know, (laughs) it's what's, what's the, what's the line you cross between a healthy libido and sex addict? Right. I dated one. You did? Yeah. And it was very unhealthy. Like she did not leave the bed all day and just wanted wow. to fuck or masturbate all day. Well, wow. some some people are just trying to erase whatever is fucking with their head. Yeah. Whether it's some horrible vision from their past, you know, terrified memories, molestation, whatever the fuck it is. Some people are just trying to just rub that out. Yeah. They're just you know, they're just trying to masturbate to heighten their experience so they don't have to think about that for a brief moment. Yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of people out there that were fucked with when they were kids. I mean, it's a it's a terrifying number. It really is. It's I kind of get wary too when I see somebody who works way too hard and never lets up on themselves. I always think you're fucking hiding from something. You know, they're not no balance, no real relationships. Just yeah, people can definitely get crazy. They can. Well, it's 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 hard because you get so focused on success. And then you're dealing with a bunch of other ruthless motherfuckers who are focused on success. So you have to like up your game. You know, I mean, that's that's like the the whole drive of modern man. And people get way douchier that way. Mm-hmm. It's like you're responding to competing against each other, and you all douche it out. Yeah, worse and worse. Douche it. 
there's a you know? documentary called Happy. You can get it on Netflix, and it's a it's like a uh, you know a very academic, quantifiable look at happiness and how it transcends cultures. They started out showing this guy in India who pulls a fucking rickshaw and he lives in a tent with his family, and the guys, you know, it sounds fucking corny. The dude's happy. You know, they followed him and they interviewed him, and they say that fifty percent of your happiness is just your wiring. You, here's your fucking DNA. Here's the juices in your body. Here's how people like, they showed a woman who'd been run over by a truck. She was a beauty queen and her face is fucking mangled. It's hard to look at her. Hmm. And she returned to her happiness level within a couple years. Same thing with somebody who's depressed. They can hit lotto within a year. They've settled back at their baseline. So that's half. Then 20% is shit like status, career, money. And then 30% is Shit like what you do, flow, getting into exercise, getting into martial arts, getting into, if you're a writer, getting lost in something, that's the other 30%. So you, you have to strive to control that 30% by not letting the 20% get any bigger and giving yourself the room to, you know, have that balance. And it seems like exercise is like the number one thing. Yeah, that's a huge part. You've got to keep your body alive. Got to keep it moving. You got to keep stressing it. Got to keep making it. Keep regenerating. You keep sending, you know, impulses into it. Firing your hormonal system. You gotta, you gotta force yourself to work. If you don't force your body to work, it wants to just give the fuck up. Man. Use it or lose it. Yeah. But they say the same thing with what I was saying before. How they just where I, I um, heard about this in the documentary about how you're. Uh, what are the chemicals that make you happy again? Endorphins. Yeah, your endorphin receptors start to dry out. They start to die. And the more you use them, the less they die. So they say try different activities. Learn a new language. Try a new sport. Travel somewhere you haven't been. That's Do what ecstasy. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. That could be right. part of it. Yeah, I don't discount the idea of any like really big psychedelic experience for, for helping you. I've, I've, I've learned a lot about myself doing them. You know, and the regular one that I do, the isolation tank, just that, just getting high and getting that thing. You know, it's it's mind blowing enough. You know, I have I have some pretty intense visionary experiences doing that. Do you remember them clearly? Some of them, some of them I remember really clearly. Uh, the, the the one I've talked about it before. It's so retarded, but uh, it, did, it really did happen. I was in the jungle and I was walking through the jungle, in and the there jungle. was a bunch of people. We were barefoot, and they were talking. And I knew their language. I understood what they were saying. The language was not English. It was a different language. They were talking, and I understood it in their language, in my head. And then I, I freaked out. And then I said, what the fuck am I? And then when I freaked out, I spelled it out to myself, like in English. Like, what the fuck am I doing? I am listening to a language, and I understand it in that language. But I said that in English. And then I snapped out of it and woke up. And it was the creepiest thing. Because just like when you have this conversation with me and I know exactly what you're saying because I speak English, I knew exactly what they were saying. But mm. it was not English. But yeah. I knew what the intent was. I knew exactly what they were saying. And I understood it in their own language. It was freaky as fuck because it so felt it's like so real. So you had two selves in a way. There was the guy watching the guy speaking the language, standing 
observing. Yes, yes, yes. Well, that's what woke me up out of it. I couldn't stay in it. It was so crazy that I couldn't stay in it. It just was like, what? I, w- I wasn't capable of holding the hallucination. You ever think about that, though? Because I think that that has a lot to do with maybe happiness or maybe sanity, is that we all do have a couple voices. You have the guy judging yourself, and then you have your id, you know, your animal right. impulses. And, uh, you know, Freud would say it's like your, you know, your, your ego and your superego. Right. And, and that basically you are observing yourself all the time. And the guy that's observing you is the fucking asshole. He's the one that's socializing you and getting you to do what's appropriate, which you need to a certain right. degree. But the balance within that, I think it's the distance between the two voices. Right. Uh, you know, obviously, if you completely became transcendent, maybe, maybe the Dalai Lama has one voice and how close can you get those voices hmm really close man yeah well you know you there is the momentum life and then there's the every now and then you're like objective assessment of the life that you're living on momentum like sometimes you're just life is on momentum for like long slides and then you need like another perspective on yourself Little speed bump. Yeah, you need to go. What's going? Slow down. What's going on here, buddy? Yeah. How are you really thinking? How are you really living? I think that those reset situations that you can get in life, whether they're a a strong yoga class, you know, whether it's uh, you know a DUI. That could do it too. Yeah. It could be external. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, you could realize like, holy shit, I'm a fucking loser. Mm -hmm. I'm out there driving drunk. Yeah. Yeah, for sure that could fucking snap you over into a, a realistic perspective on where you're at and the other voice then yeah. steps up yeah those those little epiphanies can happen and then all of a sudden that that guy that was in the flow mm-hmm. is like dude get in the back seat i got the wheel for a little while you're yeah. gonna get it back on the road here <laughs> you know and it's like uh you know you know for me having a wife and kids uh and not drinking i don't have much escape so I really do struggle with that. Like the guy that's telling me to do the right thing. And I realize I drive a fucking Prius. I have college <laughs> savings accounts for my kids. I fucking exercise. Like, well, that's they, great stuff. It's man. great stuff, but there's a part of me that feels like that animal inside. Right. You know, and I'm not going to fuck around. Right. You know, I'm not going to drink. Uh, so I try to find other ways. And part, part of it is just being a clown. When I'm out with my wife, I fuck around with everybody, parking attendant, waiter. I just, to me, it's like being out with her and having fun is the fucking greatest and making her embarrassed. And oh, she, that's hilarious. She protests, but she loves it, and that's our relationship. Oh, you know? that's really funny. That sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I, I put a napkin on my head at a restaurant last week, and she actually got mad at me because I wouldn't take it off. Oh, it was like a really nice Jesus. restaurant. That's Christ. hilarious. <laughs> God, I want to see that. That is such a Fitzsimmons <laughs> sense of humor moment. <laughs> you just love, just love being able to do that to just her. Just do it and realize <laughs> that you are so different from me. That's what that's what you're saying. Because she grew up, she grew up in New York City in a fucking not a great neighborhood. She's a sophisticated chick, you know. She's got her masters in social work, and and you know, but. She's not wild at all. She's very dressed down, but she accepts me because she's been, she grew up around insanity. Right, right, right. So it's a perfect combination, and she re, she reigns me in peacefully. She's not a nagging wife. She's not a ball buster, but she is almost that other voice that gently I just watch her, and she peacefully brings me back into my kids. You know, sometimes you know, sometimes you you go away and you come back and you see your kid, and it's like 
Mm-hmm. And you're not connected, and you gotta you gotta work your way back in. And she's right, like right. my guide. She brings me back into it. That's awesome, man. Yeah, if you can find someone, you, you just gel with them and you enhance each other. That's what relationships are all about. The, I mean, that's what we all hope for. But it's the crazy thing is how rare that is. <laughs> but it's work, you know? too. I don't oh, think for sure. it's not a perfect soulmate. It's, you know. But, I mean, how many people do you know that are truly happy in their relationships? What is the percentage? You know, how many people do you know that are struggling? I would How many say people do you know that fight a probably lot? Probably half. Probably half the yeah. married couples I know really like have a like to the point where they say it out loud. It's it's a thing. Yeah, I would say that you're. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the people that I come in contact with is about half. Half of them seem like nice couple. Look at that. They seem friendly. And seem like they enjoy each other's company. And then half of them, they just snipe at each other. Yeah. And, you know, and they do it right in front of you. Oh, man, that's so rude. You know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Just stop it. Stop yeah. it now. Do you see what he does? Oh, you yeah. see it, right? This is oh, what I deal with. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Those relationships are ruthless to watch, man. Because that's out in public. You got to mm-hmm. imagine what it's like behind uh, closed doors. Uh, you know, that's... Did you see that video of a, a basketball player who was a uh, first-round draft yeah, pick? Yeah. Did you see that, Brian? Mm-mm. Brutal. The dude beat his girlfriend up and did it on camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, in front of his camera. daughter. Like, was it in front of his daughter? Wasn't there too? a little girl there? Are you talking I about like that. he reached over the fence? No, no, oh. no, no, no. This was um, in. It was. It looked like it was in like some sort of a, a hotel or a, oh. a, or a apartment lobby yeah. or something like that. Somewhere where they had a security camera, wherever it was. He's this big fucking dude, big super athlete basketball player, and he like kicks her to the ground uh. and smacks her in the head. And you're watching this. It's terrifying. Mm. She's really little, man. Yeah. She's not a big person, and he's giant. And uh, apparently he just beat her ass. And they sentenced him to a bunch of different shit, man. They sentenced him to, like, uh, all told, I think he has to go to jail for, like, three years. No! And, uh, no shit! Yeah, and he, he just... When he, he probably he dropped around. a fucking $20 million contract, too. Well, you should see the video, too. The video is crazy. He collapses in the courtroom. Collapses. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. Mm. Fell down, collapsed. I mean, it was, it was really fucking intense. It's terrifying. I mean, he realized that he was going to go to jail for three fucking years. You know what sucks about that is that ain't going to change the dude, and that ain't going to change any other domestic abuser. Putting people in jail, it's like, why isn't there more like, you know, especially in the inner city where you see people with less father figures and you see more violence to... To really make it a part of schools that you learn how to respect women, how to respect, you know, uh, the opposite sex, because it, it is something that is cyclical and it is cultural. You see a higher instance of domestic abuse with poor people. And, you know, that shit, jail doesn't change that shit. It just causes more anger. Yeah, it, it, it's not like it's a great place where they're going to you know sit around and do ayahuasca and find their spirit self, yeah. realize where they went wrong on their path to enlightenment. Surrounded by dudes. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. The whole idea is a mess. And then you get into the fact that there's private prisons in this country, and that, that's one of the most mind-boggling facts <laughs> about American culture. It just makes you wonder, like, what, what is... What is the intention of the people running this fucking place where they've allowed it's a holiday it to get in? So they don't crazy. want vacancies. They got vacancies. They're losing money. You gotta fucking get some reservation people out there. That's what the cops are. They're reservationists for the prisons. Oh, yeah. 
it's almost like that, huh? Yeah. It's funny that like the the police officers unions will actually uh, lobby and vote. They like try to make sure that certain drugs aren't made legal. And like they have uh No shit. Yeah. Sure. That There's, makes sense. Pro, yeah, police officers unions or not police officers unions, but um uh, what would they call them? PBA? What do they call the people that work at jails? Corrections officers? Corrections officers. Yeah. That uh, corrections officers, uh, you know, they they will actually like use their money and influence to try to make sure that drugs stay illegal. Speaking of which, number one domestic abusers in the country. Corrections officers, yep. really? Yep. Jesus Christ. Super high rate of alcoholism. Ugh. I read this book about. Of Sing course, Sing. it's a terrible job. It's terrible for them, man. I mean, I don't have anything against corrections officers. I, uh, it's a terrible place to be. To be just completely surrounded by people who are locked in a cage, mm-hmm. and you're not, and you walk amongst them all the time, and they can just take a fucking free run at you at any moment. You live your life in constant in stress. Fear. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't envy them by any stretch of the imagination. I think that. If you're gonna really take being a, a, a putting someone in a jail and you and reform seriously, you're gonna have to come up with a way better method than what they're doing. Oh yeah, this is ridiculous because this isn't reforming anybody. No, there was uh, I read this book about Sing Sing. This journalist went undercover as a prison guard for two years, and he came out of it. He divorced his wife. He was an alcoholic, and he was living in a fucking one bedroom shack. His whole life fell apart. Yeah. And he said that the the alcoholism on the inside, he said it's just, and it becomes consuming. Oof. It becomes a challenge that you take with you when you leave work. It's not you go to your job, you finish, and then you go have your life. It becomes these motherfuckers, and I'm going to do this, and it eats you up. You become part of it. Yeah, human beings are weird as fuck. Trying to figure out how our behavior lends us astray or leads us astray, rather, and how we can try to get it back on track, if it's at all even possible, like as a, as a group of us. It's like when you look at the, 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 just the massive amount of crazy human momentum-type behavior, where we're just on our momentum. Like, here's a thing in New York where they had to recently pass something that makes rabbis have to get consent first before they suck your kid's dick. Suck? Yes. Do you know when you circumcise a child, the rabbi traditionally will suck upon the boy's penis to stop the bleeding? No. Yes. Yes. Is this just yes. with the Orthodox yes. or is this all, all Jewish? I, I don't know what sect of Judaism. I don't really care what they call themselves. Whatever silly people do this. It's real. It's, they've, they've had babies die in very recent times yeah. because the baby will get herpes from the mouth of the, the whatever, I think they call the moil. Jesus. Yes, that's a tradition. There's a guy, it's like, there's this nutty fucking video of this guy defending it, and he explains it in, in the, the word, the Hebrew word, which like means to suck. Like that, it, it strictly says that that's how <laughs> totally. you're supposed to deal with that. So that's what they're doing. So, and you're just discounting. My, my thought is that you're just discounting that this fucking baby is not going to remember this experience. Uh-huh. You know, how do we not know that that's some nightmare in the back of his mind, like constantly fucking with him? Dude, the, the sucking is nothing. Cutting and, the dick is where it starts. Yeah, that's cutting the dick barbaric. and then sucking it. It's it's you really know the, satanic shit. Yeah, it's it's tribal. It's fucking, and it oh. all goes back to shit that's like you know that the American Medical Association no longer recommends circumcisions in third world countries. They do to prevent AIDS and uh, other. Uh, That's I've diseases. never got that. How is getting your dick cut? 
going to prevent Well, AIDS. it used to be because the, the fold around the crown would, would get what, germs You're going to get AIDS that way? Really? Well, I really? Guess any, that seems well, the, so ridiculous. Yeah, I think it gets infected more because there's shit that gets in there. Like, wash yeah, your dick, you don't get shit. AIDS. That's my point. We got so running water. So this is just water. for people who can't even wash their... Oh, so because we don't have running water, they're getting AIDS through their, their foreskin? Yes, which is true. Their foreskin makes AIDS? Well, anything that folds back around right. a gland, like a vagina, basically, right. collects way more diseases than a penis. You know, like, men don't catch AIDS almost ever so, from straight-up sex with a woman who has AIDS. But if you got a vagina, you got a really good chance of getting AIDS if you have sex right. with somebody. If you have any kind of tear in your vaginal wall Woo. or ceilings or floors or shades Woo. or blinds, your lips, Ooh. slats... Uh, Do you know that there's a doctor who doesn't believe that? It's terrifying when someone, when you're too stupid to know who's dumb. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because there's this guy who's a, uh, his name is Dr. Peter Duesberg. And I've read all his stuff. And I Duesberg. know that he's a, um, a, a professor of biology, I believe, at the University of California, Berkeley. It's like a legit guy. And his whole idea is that HIV is not what causes AIDS. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. Heard of this well, President of South Africa said the same thing. Did he really? Yeah, the biggest AIDS country in the world. By the way, I meant HIV before when I was talking about but transmitting the, diseases, not well, AIDS. I am way too stupid to understand who's right and who's wrong. You know, because obviously there's a bunch of geneticists and a bunch of disease specialists who completely disagree with him. And they think that HIV does cause AIDS. I wish I was smart enough to know what the fuck, who's, where it's ridiculous. Well, it's all shit happening at a molecular level. It's all it's all guesses. It's but it's percentages. And if you say that when we see these symptoms of uh, immune deficiencies happening in people, they have lesions and are losing weight, then we often find that before that they you know uh, that that the immune leads to the mm -hmm. lesions and all the outbreak of AIDS. So right. why not play those odds since we'll never know the actual truth if there even is one. Do you think that's what they're doing? I mean, I, what Deuceberg is saying is that it's linked to partying. What he's saying is that it's uh, dudes do like um, meth and go crazy oh, and, poppers. and poppers and amyl nitrates. Yeah. Apparently those poppers are unbelievably bad for yeah. you. Yeah. Like like instant brain damage. Yeah. You just, and that doing that partying on a regular basis like that just wrecks your immune system well that i mean it's why third world countries get aids more is because when you're malnourished and your system is worn down you tear easier you have your tissues break open and your immune system can't fight back as much so it's you know it's it's about you know wealthy countries get it less because they're fucking they're in better shape so you what you think is that hiv is something that can be avoided I think it, it. I think the likelihood of getting it is increased when your system is worn down and you're malnourished, and uh, you know you don't have enough fluids in you. Then you hmm. you tear, and that's where the uh, you you have more cuts around you because your your skin everything is just not as elastic and strong. And that's all coming from sex. Then it's just completely sexually transmitted. Yeah, you put a penis in a vagina and you rub it back and forth, and something tears, and then the semen gets in there. Boom, Ew. HIV. Remember when you were a kid and you thought everybody would be dead of AIDS by now? I know. We were convinced. Well, we caught the wave. We got fucked. We got scared. Remember you get, Do you ever remember what uh, happened the first time you took an AIDS test? Yes. Did you panic? Yeah, I fucking panicked. I fucking panicked. Because it's like a 24-hour wait. Yeah, I fucking panicked, man. Yeah. I fucking panicked. I thought about some weird drunk nights. 
on the road as a 20 year old you know 21 year old come on man i had i caught gonorrhea once i caught chlamydia once so is it really green when you pee like yes it hurts it hurts worse than any and you're fighting your need to urinate full bladder but every ounce that comes out you are ready to fall on the floor screaming wow yeah it's nice and then one shot in the ass did you know there's a syphilis outbreak in porn? Yeah. Really? Some dude got syphilis and then, like, didn't show his full medicals, didn't show no, he, he faked took his... the shot. He took a shot, and he thought he was clean 10 days. That's his story. And apparently 11 days, he didn't even, he waited one day. Uh. And then the next day, he did a movie and gave people syphilis. Because it's Domino. She yeah. then has sex with four other yep. guys. I mean, he didn't even. I mean, he didn't even get another check. He didn't even get another blood test to see if it's still in the system. Wow. He didn't even. He just said, "I gotta work." Well, because you don't have to. My my yeah. friend is the head of the uh, the uh, uh, venereal disease department of the health service for California. Lucky. His whole thing is trying to get. <laughs> yeah. His, I mean, he knows as much about porn as I do because that's his whole thing. It's like you know when they started using condoms, that was him. And, yeah. and he said that the testing, once a month you get tested, which means the gestation period for HIV is like 20 days or whatever. Right. So you're never really catching it. And that there's one agency that does the testing for all the porn movies, and it's not even a, a medical office. It's not, it's not a doctor. Yeah, and they it's a the clinic. Cl- yeah, but they closed all these pl- places down so that they're, they're all forced to go to like one place now where it used to be really convenient that like you should be able to go to any doctor, get a test, get all the tests because it's all the blood sent to the same places, yeah. these labs. But they're not letting them do that anymore. So now they're all forced to go to this one sketchy place. And, and so there's all these creepy people that hang out there yep. trying to fuck with them and stuff like that. And it's Yeah, and it's also they have to pay for it. The actors yeah. pay for the test themselves. Yeah. yeah. What fucking job that you go yeah. to that re- – I mean, first of all, it's a law. You have to get tested to work. If it's a law, why the fuck are they paying for it? Yeah, that is a business that didn't get a bailout. That business crumbled. Yeah. I mean, there's guys still making money. There's like the very clever computer guys. But you think about like the business of pornography and how many people watch pornography and then the fact that all of a sudden no one was paying for it anymore. Like all of a sudden it all just went away. And it's gotten bigger. And porn's everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere and it's free. Not if Mitt Romney gets an offer. What do you think? The number one profiteer from pornography, guess who it is? Mitt Romney. Nope. Close. It's another Mormon. Really? Who? The Marriott family. They Whoa. own more hotel chains oh, that's that sell right. porn, yeah. and that's the only place people are paying for it anymore. They're the number one profiter from pornography. Yeah, squeaky clean do. Mormons. People do pay for it still. Allegedly. I, I should say that so I don't get That they're squeaky sorry. clean? No, no, that, that they're the number one. Oh, profiter. yeah. I think they made, well, if they're not number one, they're, they made a fuckload of money. I would yeah. say Motel a 6 would be number one. No, but I think they reason. own it. I think Marriott owns a lot of <laughs> yeah, those chains. Pornographers, yeah, pornographers, those dirty pornographers, the Marriott's. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> wonder if you found out they made like millions a year from pornography. There's businessmen on the road weeping at the end of the bed. <laughs> yeah. At least it's on the expense account. I don't have to. That's why they do it so much. It's all on the expense account. Uh-huh. They don't question you for those $40 movies? They don't mark them anymore. <laughs> they don't mark anything? They don't give you a title on the bill. Just movie. Of course. Yeah, they can't give you a title on the bill. That They had to know a long time ago that was a must. When you bought porn, because I'm assuming you don't anymore, 
what was your thing? What, what section were you in shopping? I didn't ever have a thing. Never really got like too specific. <laughs> it's uh, you know, the thing about porn is this different. You know, you want to see different people. Yeah. You know, you you know, even if one girl's really pretty, you get bored. I got. I started off girl, girl only. Like I didn't even want any girls in the picture. Brian's like, let me just pretend that we're all in a slumber party, (laughs) and I'm gonna be your best BFF ever. Well, it's just something I didn't (laughs) see every day. You You know, like I have had sex, but like Mm -hmm. I never saw two girls together. Right, shit was like Mm -hmm. aliens to me. Yeah, it's it's strange. Uh, But they look happy usually. I just like to see a dream crushed. In my clip, I need a dream crushed. I need a casting couch. Or yeah. oh, those are the best. Yeah, those are hilarious. Or the the what was it was it Bang Boss that used yeah. to yeah. Just pull yeah. pull over <laughs> and people would just fuck. Get in the car. We got a porno star. Holy shit! Now my favorite now is fucking machines. I think well, that's just the wasn't that kid the kid that was in some what was what movie was in the kid that had done a porn when he was young? He did like a Bang Brothers. Oh, Jonathan. Yes. Yeah, from Project X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his story again? Uh, he just he did a uh, I think it was a bang bus. How like, old was he? I think he just turned eighteen or something like that. <laughs> he's a John Jonathan. I can't even think of his written last name right now. But he was in that movie Project X, and he's like a big chubby nerdy kid with glasses. Really. And uh, he was in a movie where he fucked. I think it was his first time too. Uh, <laughs> like four girls in, the, in a bus. And he, the funny part was though, is that was it really four he, girls? I think it was. And the fu- Good for him. And the funny thing two. was, is that he had like a huge hog. So it was just like <laughs> it was like so weird wow. that like I actually knew him before. Like like we had him on. I had him on a few podcasts. Like I didn't know about it. And so just like knowing a guy and then finding out he was in porn and then seeing his he, his hog. Well, that happened with me with uh, you <laughs> know Simon so Rex from MTV. Simon Rex. He was like one of the original VJs yeah. on MTV. Yeah, doesn't he? He has a, another name now? Yeah, he has a band now. Dirt Nasty? Yeah, exactly. Yes. And he's good. He's a fucking he's good really guy. Good. He's been on my podcast. His, uh, that, that what, what song? The 80s? Is that what it is? I can't remember. The song about the 80s? Fuck. Now I'm going to go crazy. We'll drop it into the podcast later. But um, yeah, but he did some kind of, he just masturbating, but I think it was a big hit with the, with the oh, men, weird. with the gentlemen. Came out like after he was famous. Fuck! Now I'm going crazy trying to remember this fucking song. You so crazy? Shut the fuck up! <laughs> What's wrong with you today? You got to stop doing ecstasy so much. You, I you, you, you it's breaking your brain, man. You've so got a holy the, brain. What's the fuck machine? Cheesy brain. Fuck machine is uh, it's, they're called fuckingmachines.com. I think I, it is, and it's actually robots that oh, fuck. Uh, but that they're like so really high powered, like like <laughs> you know, like so like dildos that shoot in and out of them at like eighty miles per hour, and they can't control. It. Like they're tied down, so like oh there's God. somebody sitting there going, "Yeah, I'm gonna fuck you hard," and like it's really crazy. It's like so Dana Diarmond did it, and yeah, it seems like you could break out. your pussy. Yeah. That's a good way to get your pussy all broken. Some machine, robot, metal dick just fucking stabbing you. Yeah. Yeah, whoa. What if what if it goes a little too hard? I know. What's wrong with the vibrator where you hold the other end? Is it that what, much of a chore? Why would you let a machine fuck you? You got to be real careful about that kind of shit. No shit. And what's crazy is that, that people on those webcam sites are now doing it because oh. they have like these, I guess you can easily buy them now for your home, like like a portable one that's just like, or they make them from like a hardware store. But like, there's this one girl that she's just just like getting a blo- like the, the dildo is like uh, I don't know, twelve inches maybe like a huge dildo, 
and she was getting, giving a blowjob to it, what? and she put it on full blast. You could just see it, like her her throat get bigger, like a snake eating a f- watermelon. And it, and it's it, it was like you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to yeah. break something. You're going to choke, or you're going to crack your neck open. Ugh, or... So crazy. And it's, what, what's weird is that what is like the the algorithm in your brain that wants. Like when you talk about different, like I, I used to love Asian chicks. Yeah, got into their feet. I was never like, let me suck your feet and jerk off. But I appreciate a nice pair of feet, especially on an Asian woman. Let's just put that out there. So then, then I move on to the casting couch, and I start to wonder on a deeper level, what is it about my personality or my brain waves that attracts me to a specific thing? And then, what is it that has so broken down the social order? That people respond to machines fucking. It's like the flesh, the softness, the humanity has been stripped away, and all that's left is the violent part of fucking. Have you heard of this new um, this discovery at Harvard? They've created a cyborg flesh. It's, of course, at Harvard, because nobody can get laid. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, but along those lines, like this is like literally step one to you you creating. Uh, a robot that's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. A meat robot. Mm. This is nuts, man. Fuck the flying jetpack. This is pretty intense shit. To create the cyborg flesh, you start with a three-dimensional scaffold that encourages cells to grow around them. These mm. scaffolds are generally made of collagen, which makes up the connective tissue in almost every animal. The Harvard engineers basically took normal collagen and wove nanowires and transistors into the matrix to create a nanoelectric scaffold. The neurons, heart cells, muscles, and blood vessels were then grown as normal, creating cyborg tissue with a built-in sensor network. Is this the plot of a porn movie, or this is reality? This is reality, man. This is crazy shit. This is like cyborg flesh. Like, they're figuring out a way to replace your skin with robot skin. I'm going to see you in 20 years from now, and you're going to be a 24-year-old handsome man. Asian. They're going to take your whole body and slowly replace your skin with some fucking robot skin. I'm going to have to get used to young Greg. It's going to be weird. <laughs> Can't wait. What about the hair? Talk to me about the Maybe hair. Get your, fuck. Man, even if I could grow my hair, I would go back to shaving it. It's yeah. the most freeing feeling. Just rub it through. But it will stop you from getting a certain type Wait, of Wait, so the Harvard people, they're, they're... They've created they've an created artificial skin. Or this is no, just, no, no. I'm saying this is step oh, one to be oh, yeah. a robot, yeah. you know, that is your sex slave. Well, that's why, you know, it's all male scientists and the women. They're like Israel trying to fucking uh, defunct uh, Iran's <laughs> nuclear program. They're coming in at night <laughs> exposing all the test tubes. Totally, totally, totally. Throwing fucking paint in them and shit. <laughs> You're never going to get the fake pussy. Never. It's fucking lighting their laboratory on fire while they sleep. Yeah, they finally think they've got one. She comes out and they, they design it like a garbage disposal. The pussy just fucking devours that little dick. That little Harvard dick. <laughs> You're so funny. That was such a Boston thing to say. That little Harvard dick. <laughs> You're, standing, you're getting your fucking. You're at, you're at your graduation with a gown on, trying to hide the stump. This 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 thing is really complicated. I don't think I even understood what I just said, but what what it seems to me is that this is. I mean, 
they're, they're going to be, they can create flesh. They've already figured out how to do that. Mm. They can, they figured out a way to create meat in like essentially like a test tube environment. Yeah. They've had, you know, so it's just a matter of time before. And the meat is replicated DNA. Is it, is it re? I don't understand it. I'm too stupid to answer that question. Yeah. I, I've, I've but I, read... I guess the big, the big turn is getting it to actually reproduce itself. DNA like it does in humans. Exactly. But it seems to me that if they could replicate one aspect of it, if they could figure out how to replicate meat, it's just a matter of time. It's like we went from the Model T Ford mm-hmm. to the you know 2013 Corvette. It's like this, it gets better. Yeah. It gets better. It gets better. It gets better. It's, when they're doing this now, this is what they're doing now. This is going to expand into something else incredibly freaky. Mm. This is going to be incredibly, incredibly freaky. Mm-hmm. This is cyborg tissue. I mean, this is a, you can make a fucking Cylon, okay? You can make a cyborg. Like, this is step one. When they look back in history, when life is like Battlestar Galactica fucking for real, and we really are fighting off these intelligent robots that we created, this will be the day where people look at this and go, wait, what did they, what did they do? Hmm. What did they make? What did, they started with this and then goes from this to what? And by the time they tell you about this, how far are they along on this? Oh, they'll be the ones telling you about it. Yeah, the, the they'll be clones. <laughs> clones will be telling you about cloning. We, well, we figured out how to clone. It's, this yeah. Is, because the guy is a clone who's telling you about it. Yeah, and, and the amazing thing is that you, you look at, like, I went to the Santa Monica uh, promenade the other day, and they come out of the five-story parking garage with a line of cars at two different uh, stations. No human being. Like, you're literally collecting between 5 and $10 every 15 seconds, all day and night. You can't pay 12 bucks an hour to some fucking guy to have a job. And that's what's happened is that they talk about unemployment is, is da- you know, the unemployment rate is, is high. Well, it's not just high because the economy's not doing good. It's they're slicing jobs with machines everywhere. Just to stay at even with the job rate, you would have to be creating X number of jobs every month. And with these cyborgs, what the fuck? Who's, who's going to have a job anymore? Yeah, who's going to have any sort of a manual labor job? I welcome the cyborg friends. <laughs> I think scared. I'd rather enjoy paying a machine than talking well, to some fucking retard in a parking garage. <laughs> that's not the idea. <laughs> I think it's faster too. So it's it's more convenient. It's faster. Oh, it's you're still so, there's a problem. You're so crazy. Because here's the problem: they are going to be intelligent. If they're going to be intelligent, they're going to be able to be sentient, which means they're going to have their own will. They can do whatever they would like to do. The first thing they're going to do is make a better one of them. Mm. They're going to realize what we did wrong. What was stupid about this? This is shitty. You thought about this like a person would. Let's redo this better. And they'll do that almost instantaneously. Yeah, but, what, but that's the big question. In all of this since the 1950s when they started talking about robots and stuff, is can there be a sentient moment? Can there be that transition from something that's been programmed to something that can control itself? You know what would be really horrifying? If there never was a sentient moment, but it acted as if there was one, and it just ran around uh, like this meat puppet program, just fucking gunning holes in people, yeah, because it didn't know what it was supposed to do. Yeah, you could just throw him in the toilet, pour some water on him, he'll stop. You know, like it's like a cell phone. He has electronics. He might then, be able to think twice. I think they would probably like- have that covered. That whole get wet part. 
it'll They'll double itself. It they already know that. how to do that with cell phones, you know. They, there's like some product, they dip it. No yeah. shit. Yeah, they dip your cell phone in this product and you can like literally drop it in the ocean, pull it out, dry it off, and make Like a your call existing with it. cell phone, yeah. you can bring it in and they do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You send them the cell phone, they take it and soak it in some kind of crazy polymer that doesn't, have, I don't know, I, the word polymer, I shouldn't even be allowed to say it because I don't even know what the fuck a polymer is. Whatever. Plastic shit. How about that? Some awesome, super cool plastic shit. Like a Bobby Lee hand on water the water from getting through to the electronics. Well, Somehow or another. I don't understand it. That's weird. Yeah, but they, there's demonstrations of it online. I can't remember the name of it, but if you're so curious, you will Google it. You just you can get you some can and dip out. your cock in it and never wear a condom again. Oh. Yeah, I don't think you feel as much. Your dick be all waxy and shit. Like every time you're in the shower with your girl, you got a boner. She's like, "Why is it so waxy? It's just so weird. It's like you the never water's just lubricant. beating up on it. It's just like like the hood of a fucking Chevy. Yeah. It's their birthday. You light your dick on fire and stick it in the cake. Isn't that that is one of the the nicest qualities about those old american muscle cars was those big long giant hoods when you wax the car mm. and then it rained and the water beat it up on that thing and you just kind of swipe the water off yeah those fucking cars man those were works of art i gotta show you this mustang i saw today i was over in uh, burbank and what, uh, what? powerful we, burbank so not burbank wherever cbs radford is that's burbank isn't it parking garage. no studio studio city, city. And uh, there was this... Brian, don't be a hater. <laughs> don't be starting gang violence. Check this out. Lakeside Mafia. Some kind of special... Ca- it said, like, California I, I pressed the button. Edition. What is it? California edition of what? What are you showing uh, me? It was a... It was a, looked like a 68 Mustang, but it had these... Uh, maybe you'll recognize it. It's I, a, I've never seen one. Like it's that. hilarious to me how a guy like you... Doesn't have some fucking crazy car like this. It's time. You you already convinced me. You have to. I, this I'm, is an I'm old up Mustang. for a head writer job on it. What's that? I said this is an old Mustang. Yeah, it looks like it's a 67 maybe. I don't know the But years, it's got but scoops God, on the side the, by the doors. The lines of those cars were just so beautiful. And it was a 350 like special edition it said on the side. But no, I, I'm up for a head writer job. That's why I was just over there. And if I get it, I'm pulling the trigger because I'll be commuting to fucking CBS Radford from Venice. Every what are you going to get? I think I'm going to get the Challenger. Dude, goodbye. It's a lot of gas. Yeah, it needs a lot of gas, but you feel like a fucking man when you get in there. I love gas. The rumble of the engine. I rented a Mustang in Ohio. Fucking my wife in the back. Did not like. Yeah. You rented a Mustang and didn't like it. 2012 convertible Mustang. No shit. Yeah. Wait, that's the one you were just telling me about. I have one. I love it. Yeah, but yours is a different style. Yeah, I think. Well, I have the, the it's a different well, it's a different experience. It's the GT500. It's yeah. 550 horsepower. It's an aluminum block engine. It's the the Ford GT engine put into this wobbly ass convertible body. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so yeah. much fun. It's a, the the most American dick hard car I've ever driven. Well, I, I wouldn't want to dr- black. I wouldn't want to drive it every day, but when I drive it it's fun as fuck. Yeah. It's just I don't even think about playing anything except 70s rock yes. in that car. Yeah. Cause it just got this rumble. Of, it's like Leonard Skinner all the way. I got on a big Leonard Skinner kick when I bought this car. Cause I'm like, this is the kind of music you need to be listening to. Simple Man like is perhaps the most moving rock song Fuck of all time. Yeah. A father telling his son how to be a man. It's a fucking great song. Fuck. The battle, uh, the ballad of Curtis Lowe. Yeah. <sighs> 
Yeah, they had they had some classic They're shit. So but, fucking underrated. But there's something about dudes that guys can, for whatever stupid reason, like really viscerally connect with the sound of an engine of a car, and you know that kind of like you know. 1970s, 19, late 1960s classic rock. Yeah. It's like they, they ball together yeah. into one really like guy centric experience. And I don't know what the fuck it is. It's really weird. Like I've tried to assess my love for the rumble of an engine before, like why it's so retarded with me. Like I get yeah. like a shriek, like a little child when I hear a good engine wail. Like yeah. I just fucking love it. It just sounds awesome. Yeah. But it's stupid it's so stupid like wouldn't it be better if it was completely silent like that's what i don't like about the prius that it's totally silent but wouldn't that be awesome for you know for one thing in this fucking stupid life to not just make a shitload of noise everywhere it goes wouldn't that be awesome well you know what give me a prius that has a fake sound when i push the accelerator it just plays on the inside of the car well do you know they they have a bmw that does that it, uh, the BMW M5 has uh, the sound of the engine transmitted through the speakers. It's really kind of a cheesy move. That's, but it's, that's it. And it's an automatic. Well, it's double clutch. It's it's an automatic, but the best way to drive it is to use the paddles. You know, like when like they take it on a track. It's yeah. a it's an amazing car. Yeah. I mean, I'm, it's not, there's nothing bad about the car. It's just the the decision to like make the sound come through the stereo seems like cheating. Like yeah. it sounds like what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So they had to make it a uh, a turbo. Because um, there's all these new crazy gas efficiency laws that are coming out, and it's really hard to make uh, the same like gas guzzler type engines. Yeah. And by the time I think it's 2016, I believe it is, every car is going to have to be above 35 miles a gallon. That's going to be the industry standard. So like all these cars, like these Mustangs and shit, you won't be able to buy them. Just in a few years from now, stock like them up. You can't get anything retarded in a few years. Yeah, because like, and by the way, the 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 Shelby, the GT five hundred, somehow or another, it doesn't even get a gas guzzler tax. You know, I don't I don't know how that is. Happened. It a V eight? Huge. It's a huge V eight. But they figured out something to make it really efficient with yeah. the, the supercharger. Well, you were saying that what was the the car you can bring on a track that got better mileage than a Prius? A, B, a BMW N three. Yeah, when you bring a Prius onto a track, Top Gear did this. They um, they took a Prius and they made it go full blast around a racetrack. And all the BMW had to do was keep up with it. And the BMW kept up with it easily and got better gas mileage than the Prius did. Hmm. Because the Prius was fighting for its fucking life. Hmm. Whereas the BMW was just like sprinting. Well, yeah, but it, I think the Prius is designed to save you money, stop and go through right. town. It's not, not, not for highway. Yeah, that's the whole point of the brakes generating extra power, right? The, yeah. the brakes help re- and it's recharge got a down, the engine. Mine's got a downshift thing now, so you actually collect even more. It, it'll decelerate the way if you downshifted would and collect that energy. When are you going to pull the trigger? As soon as I get this job. <laughs> I'm going to find out in the next week. Women will never understand these conversations. But we'll never understand fucking handbags. Do you ever get a handbag conversation with Mrs. Fitzsimmons? <laughs> She's not like that at all. Thank oh, God. Thank the baby no, Jesus. She bar- we just went to a, a big wedding, and she borrowed handbag, jewelry. I felt like such a douche. Oh, that's funny. She was wearing a fucking dress. I'm like, look, go. Sh-. she shopped for two fucking weeks right. and didn't find anything. I go into a store, and it's very simple. I need a shirt. I'm going to this store. I'm walking out with a shirt. That's all it takes. Pants, this store. Walk. It's Christmas shopping. Got to buy something for the wife, this store. Coming out with something. 
She exactly. spent two weeks going in and out and did not find anything. That boggles my fucking mind. She had the best affairs ever. Ah. <laughs> Just kidding. No wonder she had no clothes. <laughs> right. Yeah. She keeps on leaving at all these guys' house. She found a friend that had a dress, though, that yep. she liked. Yep. That's weird. That's hilarious. So what does your wife usually wear? Like lumberjack shit? Like Yeah, she's into flannel. Timberlands. And, uh, Timberlands. <laughs> she's got hay. She puts hay in her hair. No, she she wears like uh she's got big tits, so she'll wear Holla! like days. 34Ds. Bam. And uh tight jeans. Not tight tight, but you know, she's got a good fucking body, man. I swear to God. I had sex with her the other day and I was just like, <laughs> fuck. God damn it, your body's nice. <laughs> You know, I check her out all the time. Nice. And uh, she she initiated. It was fucking nice. She, she initiated. He's giving us full details. I mean, in you know, in the living room. Nice. She fucking walked in. Took Any it. music she wanted it. She Any went music? Took it. Any music playing? No. What was on I, TV? Uh, it was like something like CNN. I was on my laptop <laughs> on the chair in the living room, and she fucking lap danced me with no music. Whoa. And then we, we threw down on the couch, and uh, and then she just walked away. Kept on doing her shit. Just took it. Wouldn't it be funny if Greg and his wife didn't really have sex at all anymore, but he like had written all these <laughs> stories, but he gets them crossed up, and he doesn't realize he told us this one already, but it was a little different before. Yeah. He was, was like, on the couch last time. And <laughs> but he was... said the same thing about her walking away. Yeah. you imagine catching someone in a crazy lie? I have the best marriage ever. You just find out oh. she's death. That was the saddest. I saw a little bit of this movie with uh, Kev- Kevin uh, James. He's a fucking good actor. He's a very man. good actor. I mean, I, my kids watch him in all these movies, and not only does he do physical comedy, but his face can do so much shit, even in a drama. He's a powerful dude. His um, Here Come the Boom movie, Here Comes the Boom movie is coming out in October, and that's a, a movie where he uh, plays a MMA fighter. Yeah. He plays a guy who was a college oh, wrestler. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking great in it, man. Yeah. He's, he, he can act his ass off. And he can take People those just, silly high concept movies yeah. like that and actually ground it enough to make it funny. Yeah. But this movie, anyway, he's he's about to, uh, his friend's going to propose and he's telling him how great marriage is. He's trying to drag him into it. Right. And then the, the guy sees his wife cheating, calls her on it, and she goes, well, what do, you, what do you know about our marriage? He goes and gets a fucking hand job from a Thai girl every Friday and it all falls apart, you know, and, he, and this guy wants to get married, but he realizes every married person is spinning another fucking story about their marriage. And to me, it's like, you either stay married, like, getting divorced, you should never do until you need a divorce. Then you should get a fucking divorce. But to live a lie in a marriage, why not kill, you're not alive if you're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, some people just can't change. They have a real hard time just moving on to the next thing. Yeah. They have a really hard time just changing. It's very difficult for some people. That's one of the things in this happy movie. It talks about how the pain, the thing that you think is losing your job, going broke, even mm-hmm. getting kicked out of your house, it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. And, and the fear of it happening controls so much of your actions. It goes away right away. You experience it, and you're in a new reality. All of a sudden, I got no house. I found another place. Brian, My life's moving doing? forward. Yeah, uh, you keep on getting out of sync with us for some reason, your camera, and Uh-oh. so I'm trying to fix it. It flashed. I noticed that it flashed. Yeah, I'm trying to fix it right now. But well, as long as the audio's on, yeah. I'm a be, I'll be a man of mystery. Yeah, but what's weird is that me and Greg would be talking, and then you would answer like 
five seconds on delay. So it, it was like me and you were in a different world than Joe. It was really trippy to watch. I've been I fixed it once before, then it started happening again. We're really? On, yeah. Do you think it's because of switching this laptop? Yeah, probably. Switching to Windows? Yeah. We tried to do the podcast in Windows. The iTunes version will be good, ladies and gentlemen. Go get that audio version. <laughs> and as far as the video, uh, we gave it a shot. Um, Wait, what is yeah. it? We, we were broadcasting for the first time today. There, it looks like it's Yeah, I, fi- I fixed it last time and it started happening again. This is the first time we're broadcasting the video portion of it uh, off of a Windows computer? We've Why? We've never done that before. Why? Because we have one. We have this Alienware computer that gave it to us. So we figured, well, let's try it. Let's try and it this you, way. Normally, you do it a different way. Normally, we do it through a Mac. But and you I think mix it up once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah, we decided uh, we decided to see what would happen, yeah. and apparently, um, there's some issues. I wonder what the if that's a fixable thing. It's probably the power of the laptop. Uh, it's trying to handle three. Uh, uh, webcams at the same time so i'm guessing really I'm what guessing, a weak ass bitch well we went from an imac which is like top of the line to a laptop. so it's the three the th- three webcams are taking it down but that's yeah. a gaming laptop those things are they have super power when it they comes have good to graphics like, cards yeah but wouldn't that have anything to do or is it so the information coming it's at the it cpu i mean you're doing three webcams i don't know really? and, and it's the power of powering those webcams. it's the wrong one you know i should have brought that big giant one in we should have tried it with that one because mm-hmm. that one is uh much more powerful don't yeah. you think yeah. that would that would be we a could try move. it yeah that's a lot of shit to put through a computer. <sighs> Sorry, yeah. folks. We're, we're trying to do this. Technically, we're a mess. I'm trying to do a two-camera thing backstage. I'm doing a one-hour special, and we're shooting backstage with multi-cameras and trying to stream it live before I go on. And uh, the director's all on top of that shit. And I was just like, you know what? And what are you doing in the stream live uh, before you go on? Just, um, you know, I'm backstage. My my two best friends that I grew up with, two biggest fucking troublemakers, because I'm shooting it in Tarrytown, New York. And these guys, I can't even get into what they fucking did, because one of them is the uh, town judge. The other guy's the fire chief. So <laughs> <laughs> fucked up these towns are. And so, uh, so the special is going to be me. They're pulling up, somehow illegally getting the fire truck and pulling me up to the front of the theater on a fire truck. And then at the end, they're leading me out and putting me into a, a police cruiser and uh, tearing down the street. So I want to have all my buddies backstage <coughs> that I used to fuck around with growing up, all the troublemakers, and just right up until they announce my name to go on stage, I just want to be fucking around and laughing. That's a great idea. That'll get you really warmed up, sort of like uh, when we do the Ice House, the, the podcast we do right before yeah, we do shows. exactly. Same sort of thing. Yeah. That probably inspired me to do it, actually. It's a great move. It's uh, think about it. Those are the guys that put you in the frame of mind, you know, that made you a comedian in the first place. Yeah, you get into the rhythm of making yeah. them laugh and do that to the audience. Yeah, that is uh, when you get a, a group of guys and a couple of them are funny, it can get pretty fucking crazy. Yeah, if you get a group of guys and a couple of them are funny. Well, because then you got the guys that their laugh keeps keeps it going. Then you got the guy you're all shitting on, and you all know the dynamic. (laughs) It's like it's like the Beatles. You got four guys, and they all have a role. Exactly, it's hilarious. (laughs) Who was your Who was your guys growing up? Uh, Well, my two best friends when I was growing up were two Jimmies, and they were both uh, a year ahead of me. So they they were graduating, and they were both uh, tradesmen. One Jimmy's a carpenter, and one Jimmy's an electrician. Just real normal guys. And I lived with uh, one Jimmy, Jimmy Dutilio. Great fucking guy. 
to this day. I talk to him every now and then. I really don't get to see him that often. I saw him when I was in uh, Boston when I was there for the UFC. Him and yeah. my other friend, Jimmy, Jimmy Lawless. Oh, you saw we, both of them together? Yeah, yeah. We hung out, and then they brought their kids. It's crazy. You know, Jimmy uh, Lawless brought his kid. It's just it's so weird. You know, his real name is Lawless? Yeah. Badass. <laughs> he's a great guy, too. He's, Isn't it uh, weird? He's been my buddy since we were, like, 15. Is it just like like old times? You just immediately. Oh yeah, he's just a great guy. He's, yeah. Well, you know the uh, the thing that I've always said about that life, the living that life in Boston is is hard life mm. to to live in that weather. It's a it's a hard it's a hard place to grow up too because people in Boston have like extreme blue collar work ethic too. There's like a lot of that up there too. Mm. There's a lot of people that like when I was in high school, I felt so lazy. Because I knew like ten dudes that had landscaping jobs. Mm-hmm. They had their own like like series of lawns they would cut, and then they were hiring people. And this, I remember this kid was driving a, a brand new car when we were in high school. Yeah. Like what the fuck? He always had money. This kid is incredible. He just yeah. figured out. I, I felt like such a lazy asshole because this kid had figured out how to move and hustle. Like there was so much of that. And and I grew up in Newton, in Newton uh, Upper Falls. There was so much of that there. But Newton is kind of right and wrong side of the tracks, isn't it? Well, my side of the tracks was just, we just lived in a really cheap house in a pretty decent neighborhood. I mean, it was a cute little neighborhood, but the house is a piece of shit. And my parents bought the house so that we could be in the neighborhood so they could get us into a good school system. Because yeah. uh, we were in Jamaica Plain before that, which was like really shady. The area where I was JP. at. Yeah. Kid, make me a fucking Sully's down yeah. JP. JP was shady. I saw yeah. some crazy shit living there in just a couple of years. It was yeah. a, that was a tricky place, but you know, no, nothing compared to like real bad. And it's not Compton or anything like that. It's just no, but there was that whole like Italian Irish. Like mm-hmm. uh, you, you had JP. You had uh, uh, not Dorchester, but um, uh, West Roxbury. Not Roxbury, but West Roxbury. Yeah, it's right next to JP, and it was like you weren't in Dorchester, but. You could get your drugs there, oh, and yeah. you know there was there was like people that had got just enough money to get out of the really shit neighborhoods made it out to like JP. Yeah, we would go into Dorchester and late at night and buy food at places. And I remember we were at this place; they were serving like steak and cheese sandwiches, and uh, it was open really late at night. And this neighborhood was fucked up. This is like, like it was like you were scared to expose your money before you paid for it because you thought yeah. someone would just snatch it from you. Yeah. Like there was just some some wild, crazy people there. And they had this thick plexiglass between the, the, the server and you. And they only served you through like the slot. And uh, they gave the guy the sandwich. And then the guy says, that'll be, you know, X amount of money. And the guy just starts screaming, I already paid you, you motherfucker. You uh-huh. trying to cheat me, you motherfucker. And they're like, let it go, let it go, let it go. Let him go, let him go. Just let him go, just let him go. Yeah. And they just let this guy creep out of there, just hoping that he didn't just blast them, yeah. hoping that you didn't catch a man on his last day. You know, because you can, if you, you know, especially if you live in a big city, well, fuck, I guess you can get anywhere. If you just run into someone on their last straw, like that guy, just run into that guy. And they were like, have the sandwich. Thanks. 
Take it easy. That's where you got to have instincts. You know, yeah. you can take anybody in a city. You know, you take somebody who's not from a city and you put them in a city. Mm. They don't have that instinct they of let them go, walk away, or <laughs> yeah. challenge. There's times where it's just as safe to challenge somebody. Yeah, sometimes. But sometimes people talk too much and they get themselves in trouble and they don't know what a real fist fight is like. They don't know what a real... There's no rules out there, okay? Uh-huh. That guy could stab you. Like, uh-huh. you, don't, you don't know this guy. He might be from some other country where, you know, they'll stab people on the regular. Mm-hmm. I mean, he might fucking shoot you you don't know what you're doing why are you fighting people like mm-hmm. if you could avoid it at all costs avoid it yeah it's a stupid but i think thing challenging can be with. a subtle thing too like when i you know walking through new york city all those years if i'd be in fucking lower east side late at night three black guys coming from the other direction not to be racist but the fucking <sighs> reality is can't believe you went there Gregory. three black guys walking past me in a bad neighborhood you fucking cross the street that's dangerous you've got to walk right at them you can't make eye contact, but you don't look away. There's a subtle way that people know how to live in cities. And if you, if you fuck that up, you become a victim like exponentially more. Yes, absolutely. That's what I mean by challenge. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know what you mean by that. Yeah, I agree with that, definitely. I, what I meant is like people start unnecessary no, altercations. No. Yeah. I run. I just take off. Just around. turn around. I see a black guy on the sidewalk. You I'm probably could outrun a black guy. I would so <laughs> imagine. God, was that racist? What I just said? No, no, because you're you're just admitting that white people are scared of black people. Yeah, They're- I'm more scared of black people than white people. <laughs> I can tell you. I mean, if you want to be fucking totally rip myself open and be honest, really? Yeah, I am. I'm not. Uh, I I think uh, physically more black people can kick my ass, but I think there's more white serial killers. Interesting. I'm with cereal. You, You're going cereal. <laughs> I'm with Greg. <laughs> I think uh, white people are just as creepy. You're crazy. I think my fear comes from what I look like. I think that okay, I as a you. white guy who's not big with a receding hairline, I think I look like somebody that you who's, could fuck with. Who's, that you could fuck with more. And right. I think especially for black people, I look and that and it may and it's not true, but in my head, in my fucked up view of things. I think that they're seeing me that way. I'm putting that on them. Well, that's going to get you in trouble, man. Yep. I got robbed by a black guy, so I immediately think that. You never got robbed by a no, white guy? I, no. Never got a gun in front of a white guy. I mean, I've only been robbed once, so. Huh. So hopefully in the future it's a white person and then an Asian person and then a Mexican. So you have a fine. multi-racial <laughs> profile of people who've offended you. Don't even put that out there, man. Just, It'll come back to you like the secret. And he's going to start, I'm not, I'm he's gonna start hanging around in Chinatown late at night until he gets robbed yeah. there. Drunk. Not up. Pants down. Where am I going? I don't know. I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> Can you give me directions? I'm totally lost. Here, I'll give you money. How many dudes are out there doing that right now? How many dudes are out there just fake drunk? In Chinatown? Yeah. Wow, I am so drunk. I'll, I might just do anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending to pass out after they let the guy fuck him. A cop comes over and sees it. You want to report this? No, no, I'm good. <laughs> let, it, let it go. Let How it many times live. do you think cops interrupt blowjobs on a, on, a, on a given night in Los Angeles? It's amazing because they don't even hide. I mean, you see, you see prostitutes just bobbing up and down. Oh, I wasn't saying car. prostitutes. I was saying someone just being, oh. someone just getting crazy in the car. Yeah. Have you ever, you ever seen people do that? Oh, fuck. I saw a girl giving head while driving down Pacific in Venice. Nice. I'm driving home uh, from dinner with my wife, and we're at a red light, and I point to my wife, and the dude is driving an SUV, and all you see is this head, and they're higher than us. So I can only see the top of the head bobbing up and down. And I look at the guy, and he looks at me, and I'm expecting a fucking a thumbs up. 
nothing. Just looks at me, looks straight ahead, heads bobbing, and to this day... He's probably trying to keep his boner. This was five or six years ago. To this day, every time we're driving down Pacific at that spot, I go, remember the time? She's like, yes, I fucking remember. (laughs) (laughs) He was probably scared that you were going to try to honk and and ruin his blowjob. Yeah. He's panicking. He felt the conflict, the eye-to-eye conflict. He was losing his edge. That's what the porn stars say when they start to lose their bone or they lose their edge. Lose their edge. Yeah. I wonder what that guy did at dinner. Because like if I'm <laughs> if I'm on fire at dinner, you know, I put the napkin on my head, I'm getting laughs, whatever. <laughs> then I'm driving home. She might hold my hand and I get some sense that there's gonna be action. But how good was he at dinner that she fucking started bobbing up and down on him? I don't even think it was dinner, the one that I saw. I saw it was in the middle of the day. It was, it was oddly enough, with Kevin James. Now that we're bringing it really? up. Really? Yeah. And uh, there's a dude, and he was right beside us. And he, and Kevin spotted it first. And uh, I was like, holy shit. And Kevin was going to hit, hit the horn, and I talked about it hitting yeah. the horn. Yeah. <laughs> he was just joking. <laughs> but uh, the guy saw us and gave us a thumbs up. Nice. That's guy, appropriate. Yeah, the guy saw us and went like this. And yeah. he pointed to it. Yeah. And it was pretty funny. Dude, that was my closing bit. Remember for fucking years? It was like, uh, yeah, ladies, you've never seen this before, but here's what we do when you give us a blowjob. And then I just start pumping my fist in the air. Right. And doing that. that I closed. Oh, I was so embarrassed right. that was how like long first I year. First year. Greg Fitzsimmons. That yeah. killed, man. It fucking killed. Wow. Do you ever go back and think about some of the shit that you said when you were on stage? You go, what the fuck? Well, you know, Jim uh, Florentine just put out a CD called My First Notebook, and it's shit that he was so embarrassed he used to do. He found an old notebook. He oh, went wow. out and he did all of it in a club. He's putting it out on a CD. Oh, that's hilarious. And he's promoting it going like, I don't know why anybody would buy this. This is fucking horrible. <laughs> that's brilliant. Oh, that's hilarious. That is, that. well, that's not brilliant for everybody. A lot of people go, oh, this fucking material blows. Yeah. But for a guy like me, it's brilliant. Well, I think it's it's interesting. It would be interesting to people in the same way that, like, you know, you hear the the like Bruce Springsteen. There's these tapes. They just call them the tapes, the album. And it was when he auditioned the first time. He drove in from New Jersey in a fucking broken down Pinto, brought his acoustic guitar in, and started playing uh, "Mary Queen of Arkansas" and all these amazing fucking songs, right. acoustic with different chord structures, different pitches, and it's like it's fucking. It's not as good but you're riveted because you're like wow this is this is the fucking sketch that led to this masterpiece wow so i mean not that that would be the equivalent with stand-up but i think it would be interesting for people to hear maybe the what was the roots of a set they already know rather than just a bunch of shit you never did again yeah for sure yeah if they could hear it like after the fact like this is what didn't make the cut yeah (laughs) this is how the bit evolved the problem is when those uh intermediate steps get online yeah you know when you know they get already get on a youtube clip or something like that and, or you know you see it and you go ah oh, but that's not even that's like the beginning of yeah. it it's like it's just growing like they're always they're always growing up to a certain point but there's that really fragile time for a bit when you're first doing it or the first few times you're doing it on stage and not if one of those got online you'd be like ah, yeah that's that's a stupid well because a lot of, of times you're talking around the joke you haven't figured out the bare bones construction of it. Yeah. And you're describing the joke that it later will become. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. And but I think what a lot of people don't know that are watching stand-up comedy is that while you're doing it, you know, you you you're you're barely even thinking about what you're doing. You're almost like riding it. You're almost like when you really lock it in. You know that feeling you get when you're really killing? Yeah, you're in the flow. 
you don't even feel like you're a part of it. Like you're witnessing it all happen. That's exactly what I was talking about with the happy thing. That's the flow. Yeah. Well, that's what, you know, the whole, the idea of being in the moment completely zen and locked into how the universe is expressing itself through mm. through whatever the fuck is going on, through either stand-up comedy or through music or through through car racing, whatever the fuck it is, man. It's just that 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 moment when it all works out, you know. And you come off stage, there's nights you come off stage exhausted. Those nights you come off with twice the energy as when you went on. It's like you just soaked in yeah. all this energy and you just fucking ride it. It can last a full day where you're just buzzing still. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird gig, you know. And the the weird thing about uh, you and I is that we've known each other since we first started. You know, there's not that many guys from our little group. There's you, me, McGuire, Tom Cotter, Tom Cotter, top three finalists. Who's in America's Got Talent, powerful Tom Cotter. Good luck to you, buddy. Um, I mean, there's there's you know not that many guys from that that small group of open micers that we were in that like that you know you think of open micers as like classes like this is the class of yeah. 1988 this is a class of 1989 and we were the 88 guys yeah you know <laughs> and it was and every couple of years it was a very different brand of comedy that would come out not very different but enough that you could detect it yeah there was the changes in trends and what was that kid's name who was a uh jonathan mcguire no 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 the guy who was a a regular at the um at nick's comedy stop he was a, sort of like nick DePaulo, but oh um he became uh, like their regular guy yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, he's funny as shit. Funny as shit. Oh, uh, he never left Boston. No, I forget his name. Kills me. He's still a, a, a killer, too. He is a killer, and that's the thing about Boston, is the guys that have figured out the, the sort of formula that works in Boston, but are also an original voice, it's just amazing how you can, you can destroy, when it's a match of a comic versus... Uh, a certain locale, like you take somebody like David Cross and put him in San Francisco, boom, locked in. They're going to go for long rides with him. You go to, uh, you know, Houston with somebody like, uh, you know, like what Bill Hicks was. You take a Southern act, you put him down, blue collar guy, you put him in North Carolina. But you take guys like Nick DiPaolo or this guy and you put him in Boston and it's just, it's explosive what happens. It's a match. I don't remember his name and it's driving me fucking crazy. I'm going to get it. He's a really funny guy. But he just stayed, you know, and I'm sure he does well, like in Boston. Paul Nardizzi. That's it. That's it. Beautiful. That's it. And I remember that kid was like uh, the class, I think, of 89. I think he came a little bit after us, He was us, in right? 91. He was, was he really that maybe much Maybe 90, later? maybe 90, yeah. Because I was gone by, I think, 92, 91 or 92, I was gone. Might have been 90. I might have left at the end of 90. No, it was 91. 91? Yeah, Definitely. But he was really, really fucking funny. I'm sure he still is. That guy was, he was really good. Man. Just so edgy. The shit boom, rips boom, out of the boom, mouth. Boom, yeah. boom, And he was like a, a, a hammer attack dude. He would just hammer you over and over again with another one. Here's another punchline, another punchline. Yeah. That, that rapid fire Boston style, it's like the, the, the crowds in Boston were so hostile <laughs> that you had to develop this like really energetic, like rapid fire style. You had to be leaning forward yeah. mentally. Oh, you had to constantly be up. Yeah. There was no sitting on the stool. Get the fuck off the stool. Yeah. Jesus, you're an entertainer. Yeah. There I mean, weren't long pauses. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, you start working the road and you, you learn the value of a nice 
go get a sip of water. <clears throat> fucking let them sit. They'll kill but you. But not Boston. <laughs> no way. Them. You can stay on the horse. Attack you. They're, but it's also the, the, you know, I find it a very Irish thing is that um, you don't deserve to feel good or have any pride. And so Boston is about stripping it away from you. So every joke is about, you know, I go to the, you know, I go to the fucking uh, tall booth and the guy, I hand him a 20, he goes, you got change? No, that's your fucking job. Your job is to make fucking change. I give you a 20. You, it's just yeah. like any fucking entitlement yes, or yes. is just fucking yeah. knock in yeah. a cold way, just yeah. knock the shit out of you. Yeah, like immediately. And then there was no dissent. It was, yeah, yeah. 100% right. There was oh, no, yeah. no entertaining another side but to an issue. Cambridge was an odd sort of a club. Do you remember Catch a Rising Star in Cambridge? Greatest fucking club ever, maybe. Top that was a, a great club that was run by a psycho. Robin Horton. Oh, Robin yeah, Horton. he was, he was a, quite a character. But he loved comedy. He, he loved ha- a certain he, type he, of comedy. He hated me, but he hated loved comedy. Me. He called me a... He, I, you go in and you audition for the guy. You do ten minutes, and yeah. then at the end of it, he either he tells you right away. He goes no or yes, and he said no. To me. And I didn't give a fuck. I've always had very thick skin. I go well, uh, I'd like why, and he goes well. I can either tell you no, or we can go in the back and sit down, and I can tell you exactly why. I said yeah, let's go in the back. First words out of his mouth. As far as I'm concerned, you're just another cocky little Irish puke. That was the beginning. Wow. That's fucking racist. Yeah, he he didn't get racist with me, but he said that I am everything that he hates about comedy. <laughs> he goes, what you do is everything I hate about comedy. Wow. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I guess then we don't like the same things. And then we had this like weird stare down where he's like a, he was a big guy. Thick motherfucker. And he was a big guy. Like I didn't want to tangle with him. I didn't want to have to... Scrap with him, but it was a, it was an intimidation moment. It was yeah. a, it wasn't a comfortable moment. I didn't like it. It wasn't uh, like this is a smart, friendly guy who should be managing a comedy club mm. and influencing comedians. Everything had this heavy leftist bent to it. Yeah, everything had this like Harvard socialized. Socialist, yeah, yeah. Well, Barry Crimmins would sit at the yeah. bar. And if he didn't like what you were doing, mm-hmm. he would yell shit out at you. Like, he was, like, the dean of the club. That's hilarious. They were best friends. That's hilarious. And I love Barry Crimmins. He's a fucking brilliant, brilliant political guy. But back then, he was drinking a lot, and he and those guys were on a mission to create a place that they thought was fertile for this type of comedy. I was at uh, Catch before I ever did stand-up with a friend of mine from high school, Diane DeRosa. <laughs> Real nice girl. We're, we're just buddies sitting in the, the club, and your boy Kevin Meany went on stage. This was before I ever got on stage myself. And this is when Kevin Meany was on fire. Kevin Meany was a fucking crusher, dude. Crusher. Crusher. And you didn't understand what he was talking about with his big pants. We're big pants people. And you'd be crying laughing. It was yeah. so ridiculous. And I remember leaving thinking, God, I, I knew he was funny because I'd seen him on TV before. But he did I did like five, five Tonight Shows that year. Yeah, I, but I, nothing like seeing him live. No. It's such a completely different experience seeing a guy like that live because he's like, the silliness is not that contagious when it comes to the TV. But when you're in front of that dude and he's, he was fucking crushing. It's hard to describe. I saw him in that same club probably on, I don't know if it was the same weekend. It must That's have been that close. That era. But when he came in, 
The place was fucking jammed. Yeah. And he went up there sweating in a bow tie and a jacket. I don't care. And to this day, yeah. I say, when people say, who's the best comedian? I say, nobody has ever made me laugh as hard in one set as Kevin Meany. Wow. That's a good statement. I, I, I stand by it. I believe you 100%. I might, I might, I, it's too far of a distant memory for me to, uh, to say that mine was just as good. But I remember being blown away yeah. by how funny it was. It was just so long ago. I mean, and it was, I think a guy, it was like he, you know, part or of something. it was he's silly and he would sing that song. I don't care. Yeah, and that was his theme. He did not. He was going to be this ridiculous, a rip fucking torn kind of a character. Yeah. Rip Taylor. Rip torn. I think it is. And Rip Taylor? It, no, Rip Taylor, <laughs> Rip Taylor was the guy who threw confetti and acted crazy. It was like a little bit of an element of that yeah. mixed with a guy who really understood stand-up comedy. Yeah. He was fucking hilarious. Yeah, he was man. at my wedding party. Really? He was one of my ushers. Wow. Yeah, I grew up in uh, one town over from him, and my dad got him on stage his very first time, because my dad was a big radio guy in New York. Wow. Kevin was a waiter and waited on my dad, and it would be funny. And my dad said, you should do stand-up, and he, he was friends with the guy at Catch, and he got him on stage his first time. I remember when we were open micers, I always thought that was really fucking cool. Like, holy shit, Fitzsimmons actually knows Kevin Meany. Like, you actually <laughs> knew Kevin Meany. Yeah. And when you'd have problems or when you were going through things, you would ask, like, Kevin Meany questions. I remember us uh, several times having conversations where you were dispensing, like, wisdom that Kevin Meany told you about stand-up. Oh, yeah. And we were talking about it, like, okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. You know, those early years when you're such a blind, blabbering fucking moron up there and trying to, like, you know, hand-feel your way Help through me. it. <laughs> yeah, Powerful I got... C2O coconut water in the house. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was a time when I really needed a mentor, and he wasn't. He wasn't a guy that brought me on the road open and him all the time. It was just more of, like you said, I could call him anytime. And he, here was a guy who was this hot, one-hour special on HBO. Miss Uncle Buck comes out, all yeah. the money in the world, and I come out to L.A. and stay with him. He bought a Chrysler K car. That's the kind of guy he was. Fucking business, you know, underneath all the silliness, he was a conservative, simple guy. So his advice on comedy, I especially respected because I could see this guy was going the distance. This wasn't, wasn't a guy crazy. who was hot and was going right. to, you know, flail out, which he, you know, to this day, he's, you know, he's still out there fucking banging it out. That's awesome. Now he's out of the closet. Now he's gay. Now he's really banging it out. Now he's <laughs> <laughs> banging it in, out. His new. I didn't. Is, I, I didn't uh, know that he was. I mean, I, I wasn't one of those things where I was like, well, "Duh!" You know, I thought. Uh, I thought he was straight. I thought he was straight too. A he, lot of people. He'd been married he too, kid. right? When he, married. What do with, I give a fuck? What am I, the inquirer? Married with a kid. No, but not only that. Married. He met a woman out in L.A. Uh, fell in love with her and uh, called me. It was my babysitter who lived next door to me growing up. Whoa! How fucking weird is that? Whoa! How old was she? She's probably seven, eight years older than me. Wow. A Harvard MBA, real fucking successful type A personality. And uh, yeah, that my dad had died. To be died. a fly on that wall. Oh, there were a lot. To be a fly on that wall. That's my Gene Simmons impression. <laughs> really? Is that what he says? Got a dodo stuck in my ass. To be a fly on that wall. Does he currently have a show? I don't know, man. Oh. We, we were trying to get a, a campaign to have him apologize to Burt Kreischer. Okay. Burt Kreischer was on um, the X show with him yeah. that Gene Simmons was on, and he said Gene Simmons treated him more horribly than any human being he'd ever met in his life. Wow. And Burt said that it was just like demoralizing because he was a huge Kiss fan. Yeah. He was a huge Kiss fan who was just literally... And if you know Burt... I, look, I've known Burt since... I knew I met him back then, 
but I've been friends with him for a couple years now. He's just a fun, wild dude. And yeah. you, if you misread him, you might go, oh, look at this annoying guy, man. I'm trying to relax before my performance, man. And so he, he uh, apparently was like super rude to Bert, which just we can't have. Well, we can't I mean, have it's that. Not, that. That's not a surprise. Isn't he kind of known for being? Yeah, he is. He's known, but I met him and he was really nice. You know, so it makes me. Yeah, but you know what that is? That's I'm, a guy who treats different people different ways. Different status people get a different treatment. Well, which is worse than just being a douche all the time. It, I wish I could have a, a personal experience to share other than the positive one, but meeting him was awesome. He came to my comedy show, him and his wife and his kid. His kid had uh, got my shiny, happy jihad CD from iTunes, and he, he really liked it. So is this thing fucking up again, Brian? It's just kind of Just can't wonky. keep up with it? It's just kind of wonky. All right, we'll, switch, we'll switch it back. We'll switch it back. Anyway, he was really cool. His whole family is cool. They came to uh, New Year's at the Improv. It was fun. But, you know, when you hear a story like that where someone's, like, super rude to a guy like Bert, you're like, oh, man, that's so hard to hear. Yeah. Because every now and then you hear a story, yeah, man, I met Patrick Swayze once. She was a fucking douchebag. And you're like, was he really? Or are you really annoying? Which one is it? Because it might be that you might be really annoying. And somewhere along the line, you might have decided that he upset your feelings. And how many, I mean, have you ever had, like, those weird, like, people who feel slighted? Those artificially slighted people. Yeah, well, they're looking for it because we're storytellers. And we all want to go back to our town or back to our friends and go, hey, I met Joe Rogan. And they're going to go, really? What was he like? And the truth is, he said hi to you. You shook his hand. Maybe said three words. And then somebody else did. Now, they got it. They got to fucking pull from that a story for their friends. So right. if there's a hint of you being dismissive, the was they're going blo- to blow it out because then they've got a connection to you. Yeah. Or he was the greatest fucking guy in the world, which I never want to fall into that camp either. I mean, I'm totally, I go hang out after you shows. You want to be the second greatest pictures. guy in the world. I want to be the guy that I'll take a picture with you, but you know what? Don't put your arm around me while your girlfriend figures out how to snap a photo on your phone for the first fucking time. Are and you scared minutes, of hugging people, Gregory? Just I don't, give that fellow a big hug like this. I don't mind the hug. You know what I don't like is the armpit on my shoulder. Oh, it gets nasty. The tall guy with when the armpit on my it, shoulder. When oh. you feel the sweat. I hate the sweat. Oh. You kind of just deal, man. Fuck. That's what it is. The guy's... He's funking on you. And I bet your girl can smell it. I bet it's some sort of a primal thing, too. <laughs> Especially if homeboy doesn't have any deodorant. Like, if you yeah. come home and you're around your wife, she probably feels like you got conquered. That's right. What is there? some man on you? There's man on your shoulder. That's right. Or if she doesn't notice, she just wants to fuck you. She doesn't know why. How weird are primal smells that, like, I mean, isn't that, doesn't that, which puts women on the coinciding menstrual cycle? Isn't it a pheromonal thing? Is that right? I believe it is. I want to say it is. I might be wrong, but I mean, how, how primal are we? Women get around each other, their, their menstrual cycles all coincide. Yeah. So if they all get banged, they all raise their kids together so the kids have friends. Yeah. And isn't there a that's thing, my theory. Isn't there a thing about how your, your, uh, mm-hmm. your sperm count raises? Oh, look at houses? What the mm-hmm. fuck are you doing? No. What are you doing? Man? I'm looking to see what the comments are while we're, I'm listening. The comments? Yeah. Oh. The, uh, but this, your sperm count goes up when you're traveling or something? Of course. There, you're, some... you're ready to conquer in a new land. Yeah. Your body knows it's not around. It's normal smell. And you, you, your, your dick gets hard when you go to pick up your spear. Yeah. You're traveling. You're going that's to war. Right. I'm going to kill and fuck. <laughs> I'll be home in three days. <laughs> How many people are programmed that way? How many people from the life in Roman times were programmed to, to kill and fuck? Kill like, and fuck at the how, same time sometimes. I mean, how, it must be really hard to work that culture out. 
yeah. calm that culture down. I mean, we're talking about the amount of violence that we see on a regular basis, pretty fucking minimal. It can be pretty horrific in certain places. But in America, pretty minimal compared to what it would be like if this was the sword fighting days. Yeah. You know, like on a regular basis, people had to deal with some shit that we couldn't even fucking begin to wrap our heads around with. Yeah, it was really about power. It was, what can I take? And they would do it with swords. They would run into a city with swords and chop everything up and take all the people and take their gold and fuck all their women. I mean, nutty shit happened in the world. Well, it was like in nature. You know, you destroy your, you know, if you are competing with somebody for a a food source, if you're an insect, you, you will start to kill the other insect or you will find a way to um, destroy the food source for them so that they die. But it's a weird thing of the uh, when when people get into tribes, especially where they become really synchronized, like as this tribe, this is this is us, and we're going to go after them. Mm. And they, they, you know, they never even consider the idea of taking them into their ranks or mm. just like, hey, listen, we're just going to go plunder. Would you guys like to come with us? Yeah, you know, we we could be a big army. We could all get together. Well, they'll well, we take them do, as slaves, yeah. but they never take them on as equals. I mean, there was just, a lot of slaveholding back then. I mean, it must you be. You conquered and you fucked the women and you took the dudes and said, yeah, you're, you're my slaves. slave now. Yeah. I mean, how many people had to live their life like that? A lot, right? That was for, for how many years did that kind of shit go on in this world? Well, the Old Testament, the whole fucking book talks about slavery like it's not even a sin. It's yeah. in, actually, the seventh commandment is, uh, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thy neighbor's house, thy neighbor's donkey, or thy neighbor's manservant. It's a commandment that recognizes slavery. Jesus Christ. Wrap, wrap your fucking head around the Bible, baby. Wrap your head around that. It's funny how people like choose to believe in like parts of it. Yeah, you know? I know, I know. And the wording of parts yeah. of it, as if it wasn't translated from ancient Hebrew to Hebrew to Roman to right. fucking yeah. English. And it's like, and you're going to tell me about the subtlety of the way he said gay people shouldn't lie together? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 years later? My favorite is when people tattoo biblical quotes on their body. It's like, you're really not supposed to do that. Like, it says yeah. it in the Bible, you're not supposed to get a tattoo. And like, yeah, but I don't think Jesus meant it that much. I also yeah. <laughs> think it might fall under the, the first commandment or is the second about thou shalt not have graven images. You should not have representations of God. And I yeah. think by extension, why are we hiding why do we have fucking crosses with Jesus hanging off the wall of the church? Isn't that kind of covered by extension on the second commandment do we want to see his fucking bloody corpse it's a very strange practice to look at that all the time you know and the idea that you're being reminded of the deity the one perfect being that existed oh thousands of years ago yeah and since then his followers have reverted to pedophilia and fucking craziness and fear yeah, I know this. So. I know this comic that has a cross on his arm, and I don't. I'm not friends with him, but he always wears like, like those like elastic band things on his arm just right. to cover it up so no one knows. Oh, really? That's funny. And the other, why doesn't he just, get it removed? I don't know. Yeah, get a cover up. Maybe he still likes it. it and he's removed. just hiding it from comics. Oh well, could be that. Some people get ashamed of being religious. A lot of fighters get religious. It's like he gives them something to, to, to really uh, lean back on, you know, something to give them strength. And, you know, I've always said that I don't have any fucking idea whether there's a God. I'm not a religious person, but uh, I leave anything up to the idea of possibility. I think anything could be possible. Anything. Well, it depends uh, on your a, definition of God, but yeah. to think that there's not 
some power that orchestrated the miracle of, you know, like we regenerating DNA, all yeah. that shit. You know, to think that there's not something that can tell you that I know how big the moon is going to be at what point in the sky in fucking mm-hmm. 50 years and be right. Yeah. You know, give me a fucking break. Of course, whatever you want to call that, I think that I always just default to nature is God and fill right. in the details later when, when, when I know more. Well, it, it could very well be that there is an intelligence to all of nature that we're just not capable of, of, of tuning into. It could very well be that trees and all sorts of different parts of nature have some sort of intelligence. It doesn't, doesn't translate into words. Mm-hmm. It doesn't tra- translate into you know, certain noises that we recognize with certain images and certain meanings. It could be some other form of intelligence, and it's it's super possible that the reason why you know we exist in this ever changing world and this world is you know being more and more hostile to people is that it kind of recognizes us as a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, the you if you have to think of this system has got to be prepared for everything. Okay, there's a reason why certain you know animals eat other animals and certain diseases kill certain percentages of the people. There's like this crazy corrective system mm-hmm. that goes on on earth. And we agree with that up until it gets to people. We don't ever want to think that earth could ever look at us like we might be some fucking cold that it has. And that the more we pull the fucking fish out of the ocean and throw our garbage in it, and the more we pollute the sky and change the temperature of it and fuck the whole balance of it up and and artificially change the levels of certain things in the environment, we should expect that the earth is going to respond to this change accordingly. It's going to try to push back. I mean, if if it is intelligent, if, if there's some real method to the whole idea of this whole thing evolving from a hot ball of rock and lava and then somehow or another acquiring water and somehow or another cooling down and extrapolating into growing. more matters yeah. and more elements and more life forms yeah you just keep going and dynamic. going and going I and mean, it's all it's you know and it goes back to like uh turn of the uh 19th century there was a lot of um uh so, uh, social scientists in England, Mills, who talked about population naturally controls itself. Wars, disease, that there is an actual healthy number of people to be on the earth. And because of science, we've been able to just completely fucking hyper bloat that number of people to the point where we've staved off a natural correction. We haven't had war, in, any real war, in right. a long time. We haven't had any fucking plague in a long time. You know, the plague in 19, during World War I, 1970, killed one out of three people in, in Europe. It included, well, the war and the plague together. And, Jesus. you know, we, if we had that now, people, we, they'd lose their shit. People can't even imagine a devastation. They don't think it's possible, whereas numerically, it's beyond possible. It's way overdue. Well, there was a super volcano warning today um, somewhere. God, I want to Oh, say. I have that app. I want to say <laughs> that's hilarious. I want to say somewhere in the South Pacific. I don't. I don't really remember. But there was um, uh, a warning not to travel to this particular area because there's been some volcanic activity. Maybe someone will uh, let me know what the fuck it is on Twitter. Wow! But, but we had a couple uh, earthquakes in California last week. With hundreds, right? Was, was, oh, wasn't really? there hundreds? No shit. Yeah. Well, there's an area in Yellowstone where they have thousands of earthquakes a year. 
thousands. You sure that's not just Yogi Bear chasing after Hey, boo boo. Oh, boo boo. What is that? Another guy got killed uh, by uh, a bear in Alaska. And that's where you're going. Yes, my friend. Into the heart of darkness. The guy who got killed by the bear was uh, out there photographing it, standing near it, way closer than what they tell you to. He was within uh, 50 yards. Like, you should never get within 50 yards. 50 yards? That's Yeah, that's seems healthy. Seems far. Yep. Yeah, you should be far as fuck. fuck. Yeah, you shouldn't be close. Because you, you, most likely you'll be fine. But if you get too close to a bear and he decides for whatever reason that he hasn't eaten in a while yeah. and he might see if you're edible, if he's desperate, you can catch a desperate bear. Especially late in the year, like when it gets close to like December. You know, some of those bears are still walking around. Those are the dangerous ones because they're not stuffed yet. They're yeah. not they're not ready to hibernate. That's how that grizzly man guy got got. Yeah. He went wandering around out there after it was like post-season when they were uh, the most of the healthy bears were already in hibernation. It's like being in Faneuil Hall at 2 in the morning when the bars get out. Exactly. <laughs> if you're not home, Last you're dangerous. Last chance. Last chance for romance. You didn't get laid, and mm. now you're going to look for a fight. That, yeah. That's what would happen at 2.15. That one little, uh, what is it, a fast food place? Is it a McDonald's that's on the corner of that? That was by that hotel that we used to stay at. Oh, we would yeah. go to Faneuil Hall. Yeah. Remember that place that we worked at, the Comedy Connection? It was a chain. Yeah, I remember like, the thing was club. McDonald's. But like no, Ari, Wendy's. It was a Wendy's. It was McDonald's. Ari and, no, and Brian. Wendy's. Wendy's. Ari and Brian walked there and almost got in a fight. Yeah, like twice and just waiting in line. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere I go, I was, you know, I didn't like Boston the first like three, two times we went there because we kept on going to that comedy club in that area. It's the, yeah. and then, well, they call it the combat zone. Yeah. It's like one bad block in the yeah, whole city. Yeah, it was awful. And then we, the last time we went, we went somewhere else. We stayed in this really nice hotel and they were filming a movie and there's all these actors in it. But it was like a totally different experience. It was like being in New York almost. Yeah, we were, um, we were at the connection in Fania Hall. It wasn't yeah. in the combat oh, zone. Okay. It wasn't there. The Wilbur, but the connection was uh, yeah. The 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 Wilbur is actually like it's a way cooler set. You know, it's a beautiful environment and everything like that. But that area is not it's not the dangerous area it was when we were no. doing stand up. Like people don't understand the the fucking they have like a Four Seasons there now. You know, no. it's it's a gorgeous area. When we were coming up and stand up, it was the combat zone. You would walk over there. There would be hookers. It was scary. You'd see people smoking crack. You would see peep show booths, and they slowly squeezed all that shit out. That was like our one seedy area. I remember I could always park on the street because nobody would park on the street. That's yeah. why I had a piece of shit because your my window got smashed so many fucking oh, times. Yeah. You just were you were just used to it. Yeah, that area around Nick's, man, you got your your fucking car got broken into all the time. Unless you got a spot on that street, Warrington on street. Warrington Street, when you would go around that little side area where the yeah. connection was, the old connection, yeah. and go down to the end where Nick's was. Every now and then you catch a spot, you get super fucking lucky. Yeah, but that whole area is a gay bar now. Uh, yeah. That, How much was the that cover? It became like a really uh, hot game. Leave me in front, bro. <laughs> fucking famous. Let me get in the back door. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> you went with the back door line, Fitzsimmons. Jesus. Um, but the, yeah, that area, um, at one point in time, it was, uh, there was two comedy clubs in the same theater where, the same area where the connection was. There was the connection, and then above it, Mike, Mike Clark had a place. Remember that? I don't remember Mike Clark's Yeah, place. he had some sort of a comedy club. It, was, it wasn't for a long time. It was in the same theater that they used to do. They had like some long-ass running show 
one of those fucking. Oh, you're talking about above the original yes. comedy yes. connection. Oh yeah, yeah. Upstairs they yeah. had some kind of a nuns. Yeah, one of those nuns. Yeah, fucking nuns shows. on the run or some nonsense fucking shit. Nonsense. I think yeah, that's nonsense. it. Nonsense. Nonsanity. Um, and then down the street you had Nick's, which had three different rooms. This they is had, fifty yards away. Yeah, fifty yards away. They had an upstairs, and then they had two downstairs. One smaller room, and then one that was like a disco. You remember the disco yep. room that didn't really make it? Yeah. That they got rid of the disco after a while. It was like too crazy. <laughs> but guys would do that, and then across the street there was the fucking Duck Soup at what's now the Wilbur Theater. Duck Soup was the the idea. Of uh, Billy Downs and Paul Barkley had this idea to put a super upscale comedy club and put it uh, in Boston right there and charge more money and have only clean comedians. Yeah. And it didn't work. It didn't work. And then you're forgetting Dick Darty had a room. If yeah. you walked then across the street yep. and through a mini mall, there was the comedy vault, which had been a bank. Yes. And they, the fucking room was, the vault was still there. Yeah. And you would stand in this little fucking room that was a bank, and it was a sweet little room. It's a great room. But, I mean, so you're talking about within, literally within a quarter of a mile, you Not had even. three, four, five, six, six yeah. comedy rooms, and they were all good. Yeah, it's ridiculous. We were becoming those those annoying old dudes who keep repeating stories about the glory days. Yeah. But what people don't understand is just how... That's, by the way, that's a meme. What people don't understand, because I always say that when I don't know exactly what I'm going to say next, mm. is that the the scene was just... It was, to us now, today, looking back on it, as you know, you see what's around today, it's, it was such a spectacular scene. It was just yeah, we were the lucky. most amazing scene for like developing as a comedian. Well, you look at, like, did you read the book Outliers? No. It's uh, this book about how people like Bill Gates um, came about at a certain time. They had a certain gift that wasn't necessarily a good thing. Like, I think Gates is mildly Asperger-y. He was born, he was born <laughs> in the Santa Cruz area just as the tech thing was exploding. And he used, I think it was Santa Cruz, whatever, the, the UC college had the first, like, mainframe computer. As a teenager, he was going in there and writing programs. Wow. So he was at the beginning of a wave with the exact personality type, and he carried it through and became something that you can't do again. And, like, Howard Stern was an outlier with radio. He became uh -huh. the guy who did all the things you weren't supposed to do in radio. Badmouth other people. Be dirty. Self-aggrandize. And all of a sudden, this wave of syndication of radio stations came about, and he fucking caught that wave and took and with talent. This is talent, God-given fucking, uh, you know, uh, a weird recipe for what matches the demands of that time and being in front of the explosion that happens. And I believe that we were very much in the outlier spot of stand-up comedy by being in Boston at that time. It was a very unusual environment, for sure. It's sad that it doesn't exist anymore. It's when uh, Fran Salamita put out that documentary, when stand-up stood out. Yeah. And it's really interesting, but I think he kind of nailed it, is that the, the scene was fantastic until people started making it. When, yeah. it, when everybody just wanted to be funny. You were one of the first ones. No. no oh, way. yeah. I remember Joe Rogan. Because everybody's back there going, Oh, you heard Joe? Joe moved to New York. Dude, he's, he gets to do the prom shows at Dangerfields. That was literally like people <laughs> were like, me Holy it. shit. Well, I'm just saying oh, in steps. Hilarious. And then yeah. Joe Rogan just signed with uh, uh, what, Jeff, Jeff Sussman. Sussman. Then all yeah. of a sudden, Joe Rogan just got a $100,000 deal with Disney. And we knew every detail of your fucking career because <laughs> nobody had done that before. Uh, nobody from our class had gone anywhere really except like you know i remember uh, bud friedman came to uh boston and did a showcase to do 
evening at the improv and we it was like the for months we were fucking obsessed with our set and a couple people got it out of it and uh and that was our closest brush to show business until you all of a sudden got on this fucking track and it was like wow you can do that from this so you ruined everything <laughs> that was real. Well, everybody thought for some reason that the only way you would ever get on TV is if you were clean. And I thought the only way I would ever want to do comedy is if I was funny. So I, did, I knew I wasn't good. And because I wasn't good, my dirty comedy wasn't, it was unbearable. Because it's like, not as it just, not as it offensive. Not only is it offensive, but it's also bad. It's bad and offensive, which That's is like way worse. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the beginning, I think. I think, you know, it take, took, took a while for me to figure out how to do it right, how to do shit that I actually thought was funny. Yeah. But I knew I could never do it clean. I just wasn't going to try. Yeah. I just was like, nope. I just, I, 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 I'll, I'll scratch together some little five-minute sets here and there, but that seems crazy. Like, why would I do that? Why would I limit what I'm thinking about? Why yeah. would I, it just seems like that's like step one to fucking yourself, mm. you know? But. I just got lucky that it worked. It didn't mm-hmm. have to work. It could have skid off into the fucking woods and I could have become some kind of a that's a road That's the thing drunk. about that time though. There was no roadmap for it. And that's yeah. what an outlier is. It's like you're the you're a pioneer in the sense that you're breaking the rules and yet you're rising up faster than anybody else because things change and there becomes the you know the needs and the demands of the marketplace for whatever it is you do. Uh, they change very quickly. They're dynamic and the and the and it's why we have the you know variation in species it's Darwinism. Yeah, and it's I've also felt like when when anything happens to you that's good, then you actually believe that good things can happen. So for me, it's like b- believing that something good can happen. Like all I could think of was, well, you know, if I keep working at this, more good things can happen. Like I'm on a roll, and I I, I don't want to stop this roll. Mm. And so I think. Um, you know, when you're a, a young guy and, you know, your life has been like kind of like half sketchy, filled with a lot of fucking failures, uh, all relationship failures, all like all just different failures that you go through. And then you're on stage and you're trying to do comedy, like just trying to make sense of that aspect of your past. When you look back on your your life of being an open micer and that the the wild experience of, you know, trying to fucking do that for a living... It doesn't even feel like it's you, does it? I mean, doesn't it feel like it's a lie? You know, it feels like you're you're accessing memories that were copied a hundred times over and they're real shitty and you're like, I think it was this guy, Larry Rapucci. Yeah, yeah, Larry Rapucci. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I wore shirts that had zippers going down the arms. And I think <laughs> I had a mullet. And I think I did a joke about what I do when girls are blowing me. And none of it's... And, and, and I also look at it like limitless fucking energy and passion. I would tape every set, rewrite it. Yeah. I would fucking drive... Me and you, we would drive yeah. all over the fucking place. It was... There was no limit. And then I'd get up at the crack of dawn and do fucking banquet waitering, and then I would go audition for some cold call bullshit downtown. I mean, there, there was not like now where I got to pace myself, pick right. my battles. Back then, it was, no, every fucking battle, I'm in. Yeah, and somewhere along the line, I think as a stand-up comedian, you forget that this was a terrifying time. Like, those times that you talk about were terrifying, but might have been the most exciting moments of your life. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, the the first couple of sets that you do that are good, that feeling when you're like, holy fucking shit, I think I'm onto something. And then you become obsessed. You want to write things down everywhere you go. Because I went to college, and to me it was like, 
I was told what to do and how to think for four years. There were tests on a set of information I was supposed to learn and internalize and believe. Then you go into stand-up, and it's a blank slate. It's what do you think? What do you believe? <coughs> right. And you make that work. And all of a sudden, I felt in a way like that made me grow up in uh, six months more than I did in four years in college because it was all my creation. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's one of the most important things about, uh, you know, really finding yourself is putting something down and then being able to look at it and go, I fucking, I got that. I did Mm. that. I got, this is an actual thing that I did. Yeah. Like, here it is. It's put, I put it down and then you can move on from it. So easy. So much more easy. You get more momentum. Yeah. Did you ever read The War of Art, the Stephen Pressfield book? What's it called? The War of Art. No, you told me about that Dude, once. I got a copy for you. Yeah? Yeah, Brian, reach out By the way, thing. I want to, on the air, thank Joe Rogan for one of the best gifts I've gotten in the uh, last fucking <laughs> 10 years. Uh, a beautiful, I'm going to mispronounce the name. Ariel Carmelli. Ariel pool Carmelli Q. Pool Q. And I am a, I am a pool yeah, I just, fanatic my whole life, and uh, I've, I haven't had a pool Q in about 15 years. They're <laughs> under that uh, shelf, Brian, down there. There's two books down oh. there. See them? It's the war of art. They're in the corner. Can you reach it or no? No. You yoga doing, bitch? I don't even see him. All right, I'll find it. I'll give it to you after the show. Remind me. They're, it's, they're right there. He just can't reach over. He's impossible. I'm impossible. Bet if there was a cock can't, down there, he can't you could do reach it. over. Oh, yeah, he would already be sucking it. Yeah. He'd already be... <laughs> <laughs> no, Brian, it's okay. Don't get it. It's no, no need. Hey, look. No, no, it's no big deal. You see For him? Real. That was the most passive-aggressive yeah. thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I see it. <laughs> It's on the other side, right? It's all right, man. Just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> totally cool with it. Really happy with it. It's you. no big deal. Damn. Should we get I mean, the it's just right next to you. No, no, no. There you go. That's the book. I bought a bunch of copies just to give That's them to awesome. people. Like it's got dust all over it. Yep. I love it. Break through the blocks and win your inner creative battles. Thank you, Fuck buddy. yeah. It's a great book. All right. I love it. It's um, a great book for uh, like creativity. And um, sort of uh, getting past the roadblocks of um, procrastination. Oh, fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Somebody showed me this once before. Very interesting work. It's the guy, stuff you kind of read yeah. and then meditate on each thing. Yeah. Well, you, you know, it's an ethic. It. The guy provides an ethic. And he's got a new one called Turning Pro, which is just as good. I just got into that. But he's a very inspirational dude. You know, I, uh, I love hearing about dudes who work really hard. I don't like hearing about guys who become crazy and become obsessed and become unhealthy like they work too much. But I like hearing about dudes who have like a great work ethic. Like it always, like whenever I hear about Louis C.K. putting out a new hour every year, I always like I, I love hearing that. That's a, inspirational to me. I feel like I, I get like some energy out of that. Like ooh, like there's I think like, it's that's too ballsy. Much. Um, it's too much for me. It turned out I did uh, I I did mine, then I did another one in a little less than two years. And that's why I was doing like a lot of the UFC stuff as well. I do less UFC stuff now than I did before. So it was while I was doing that. But I still feel like I like to have a bit around for a while. Like well, I put some stuff. Your bits are fucking thick too. I mean, it's not like you write a freestanding joke, then have to write another. I mean, you you find something and you explore it and you extend it, and yeah. then by the end you got a chunk that's ten minutes. So yeah. you string together six of those, you got an hour. And I I you know I know there's like more life to shit sometimes, but it's like I, I put some stuff on a special before, and then right after it's in, you're like, oh, you motherfucker! The the punchline of yeah. punchline comes out. Yeah. You know the tagline that changes the whole. Oh, bit. you know Dana Gould just gave me a tagline that took a bit that was already killing and 
doubled it. Really? I get this bit about how we uh, waste water in this country, how we just have fun with it. It's like right. a joke. We have water parks. We have fountains, which just shoot water in the air like, fuck you, look at all this water. And then Dana's tagline was, and then what do we do? We take money we don't need and we throw it in the fountain. Wow. And on top of always killing, that tagline just like instant applause break. It's so true. That's a perfect like description of uh, like ridiculous opulence, a giant fountain. <laughs> like one of those people you could dip in, dip your feet in, sit in front, talk. There's like, like a kid with a pot in his lap, and it's it's like he's pissing. You ever see those pissing out of it? I saw a house in Montecito once, you know, out in Santa Barbara. Yeah, that was uh, these people had like they must have owned a museum or some shit, but they had a fountain that was so big they converted it into a swimming pool. Damn. Was fucking huge. This huge, gorgeous fountain was a swimming pool. These people had like three fountains. Yeah. This house is ridiculous. Like yeah. that Montecito area of Santa Barbara is like some of the most gorgeous houses like you've ever seen in your life. Oh, hell yeah. Perfect weather all year round. They're looking over the ocean. You're like, holy shit. Now, anytime I'm in that part of the world, you go down below San Francisco, they got a thing called a seven mile drive, which is where like Pebble Beach Golf Club is. Oh, yeah. And I really do think that there is not a more beautiful place. I mean, I haven't been to like Tuscany. I'm sure there's places, but I feel like you can actually afford to live. In a place along the coast, the jagged California coast, where the weather's fucking perfect all the time, mm-hmm. it's just peaceful people, and I sort of feel like, why not do that? Teach school. Just Teach school. What, what are you doing? Know. Living in a fucking right. movie? We're going to learn how to yeah, bake bread? Yeah, I lost it there You're for faking a shit, son. Sorry. That's crazy. One hit but there pot. are some places like uh, Carmel. Like, have you ever been to where... That was where Clint Eastwood was no, the Carmel mayor. is right below where I'm talking about. Oh, is it right yeah, below yeah, that? Yeah, it's right there. So fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's So beautiful, you can hardly believe it. And it's a cool fucking it. town. It's is all like it? art galleries and like cafes that are fucking, you know, international. And it's bad. I mean, but it's one of those things where, hope you like white people. Because that's all we got here. Rich white people. Yeah, that's a real white town, right? Old white people. It's, it's all Republican. like old Clint Eastwood types. Yeah. Yeah. He said some crazy shit at the Republican. Oh, he's losing his marbles. For sure, right? Hey, well, it's like, it's tough because those John Wayne type guys, they come from an era where, you know, men were manly and it was simple and it was black and white. And it's just a different world now. And you try to, you, you can't shake. Clint Eastwood's not going to not be that guy. But the times dictate a different, more layered approach to things. I think he's missing a, a substantial amount of what he used to have as a young man. As far as his uh, intuition on how to do things correctly, yeah. and he just doesn't seem, he didn't seem there. It seemed like a big struggle to me. That whole thing where he's bringing in John Voight. Yeah. Like, Help me, John. I can't be up here by myself. Yeah. It was, there was something weird about it. You know, the, just all the crazy talk about him being a conservative and you know, the conservatives, and we just try to, you know, play our cards closer to our vest. Like, what are you getting wrapped up with? Are you, do you really believe this narrative? Do you uh-huh. really believe this? Or are you actually paying attention to what you're supporting by being there pretending to talk to a chair? Like, if you talk to the president like that, he should yeah. beat the fuck out of you. Yeah. He should box your ears. Who the fuck are you to talk to the president so like that? It's that incredibly whole, disrespectful. That whole fucking thing was just negating. Yeah. None of it was putting out, here's our real, here's our plan for the economic recovery specifically. All it was was tax cuts and more shit we're going to give you. Stuff that adds up to negative. And yet they're selling it by by basically dismantling what already existed. Like, everything was a negation. There was no positive energy about it. Yeah, it's a weird thing to watch this all play out, to watch this Mitt Romney guy and 
to see this this whole situation. It's really weird. It's weird. It's weird to watch it play out, man. This Paul Ryan dude has already been busted lying on all dude. sorts of shit. He said he ran a marathon in less than three hours. Yep. That's like world class. They could, they they timed it and it was four hours. Over four hours. Over four hours. Yeah, so the he New Yorker lied by over an hour. The New Yorker did this piece last month about this guy who was a serial marathon liar, and he had a website about raising money for kids with fucking Down syndrome and support him. This guy is a dentist in a small town in Michigan who everybody loves, and he's got this whole reputation <laughs> about being this marathon runner who's going to run in all forty-eight states in in the, the continental U.S. Wow. and he's going to he's going to do a marathon in each one. He's going to post his his results. Well. There started to be a couple questions about that he hadn't. Uh, they, there was no pictures of him in the middle of certain races, right. and it, there is a fearsome marathon oh. contingent that that tracks every single marathon. Oh, and they, yeah. one of the things they have is there's chips, and you have to you have to hit I think three chips during the race to to, to prevent the Rosie Ruiz thing. Right from someone jumping in a car and yep. then someone pushes so, him. So to they the went back line. and they looked at the chips. He fucking hit all of his chips in every one, but then there's pictures of him in different outfits. There's races where there's no picture. There was one race he actually made up. What? He just made up a race? Nobody. He posted that he wanted to have a San Jose marathon. <laughs> Nobody responded. So, so he posted 10, 10 people that finished at a certain time, made up the names, put them on the website, and had him as the winner. Oh, that's hilarious. So, he, so anyway, they unraveled it. And it was just more like, it was, the piece was just about how people can get, uh, what is it called when you lie and you have no... Um, you have no guilt about it. Um, sociopath. Yeah, sociopath. Like, this is a sociopath about marathons. Everything right. else in his life was totally fucking straight up good guy, except this crazy man. And so the, the point being, there was a very clear record with Paul Ryan of how long... There's no discrepancy. There's no, you know, he right. absolutely ran it in four hours and ten minutes. And said that's it was still three. pretty fucking good, really. I they mean, say that's I, average. I think that's pretty good. For a guy that looks like that... It's like an eleven-minute mile. I'm amazed he didn't quit. <laughs> quit the oh the marathon. Yeah, I'm amazed he made it through. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do. Being I'm, I'm amazed when anybody runs twenty-six miles. But why lie about the time when four hours sounds still pretty fucking good? He's trying to pretend like he's like a super athlete. Well, that's the problem is that if he lies about that, yep. to me it's it's a character thing. Yeah. Period. Yeah. What if he's lying about that? What else is he going to lie about? His numbers for the economy are a fucking joke. They've been debunked by bipartisan committees in Congress because he introduced this whole new economic recovery plan, and it was looked at, and they said this is horseshit. This does not add up. But he had every Republican lined up because he was the new hot shit in, in Congress when he came in as a junior senator. What is his uh, strategy or his philosophy that he's going to do that's different? What was his idea? Well, it's real. And, and Rand oh, is okay. his guy. So it's pure free market. There's no regulations. And uh, you, the, you know, the, it's letting capitalism basically dictate everything. And it's about getting rid of the safety net entirely. He wants to take apart Medicare. He wants the entire new health care program taken, taken away. He wants to privatize uh, Social Security, which, again, has been shown in study after study after study is a worst-case scenario. You're taking a fund of money that people have paid into with a very nominal uh, broker with a service fee you know, built into a 0.04% or whatever, and you're saying, okay, everyone grab theirs, give it to a broker who's going to take 5%, you're bloating this one industry because they've lobbied you. 
That's all, that's all this is about. Banks want to be able to get their hands on this money and crank up commissions in, in making the investments for you. That's all this boils down to. I ran into a dude at one of my shows who uh, is an Iraq war veteran, and uh, he went in. He actually volunteered for uh, the Army, and then right after he volunteered, um, I don't remember which branch. I said the Army. My, I might be wrong. But right after, I think it was actually the Air Force, right after he volunteered, 9-11 happened. So right afterwards, he's going to war. And uh, he said that one of the first things that the United States government did was they printed Iraqi money, just fucking <laughs> crazy amounts of it, and just flooded the market with fake money. And that's how you crush an economy. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Like, if they that- wanted to crush our economy, they would just make, just put millions and millions of dollars, like, in the streets. Yeah. And people would go crazy and run yeah. out and buy Ferraris. Ferraris would be worth nothing. Yep. Do <laughs> you think that happened here? Do you think that's... Could it happen here? I, yes. Look, the, 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 the economy is not based on anything. That's what the idea of a gold standard, that's where it's supposed to make some sense. And the idea, though, that you're, you're going to be able to make something like a dollar bill that can't be reproduced by somebody with nefarious means, yeah. of course they're going to be able to figure that out, man. The, as technology gets better, they're not going to be able to hold off the, that whole print and press thing. People are going to figure out how to make money. To this day, the uh, I forget what the Iranian uh, Iraqi currency is. but The dinar, I think? Yes, exactly. It is... Is the lowest rated currency on the planet. It's like a hundred thousand per one dollar. What, what do you do then? You you have to start from scratch. You have to start the whole civilization you go, from scratch. Well, you got to go to the gold standard. I mean, it, it's you got to find something to tether it to. Yeah, and then by then the military's in the streets and you're fucked. Anyway. Yeah, just scramble. Yeah, just, and you know what's amazing is you're talking about Mesopotamia. You're talking about yeah. the most fertile. The origins of all civilization, and it's a mm. fuck zone. It's amazing. Well, I, I've, I think they're the townies of the world. <laughs> I think that's what it is. They've just been around too long? Yeah. That's where civilization was invented. So that, that area that's is hilarious. all the same assholes who developed their, too their much civilization 6,000 years ago. They just stayed. Yeah. Everybody else is like, these people are fucking crazy. They're throwing rocks at people for dancing. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so every other civilization branched off from that one part, but they stayed. They got, yeah, they got two story. I got counties. a double decker. I'm fucking renting out the upstairs to my parents. Do you, um, when you go back to Ohio, do you relate to townies or do you think that Ohio is like a better place to live? <clears throat> do you go back it's and forth? It's just boring, but I mean, if I could have a humongous house and you know, and people live great there. They, everyone has. My sister has two kids, works as a hairstylist, but she has a huge house and a huge yard. So it just seems it's weird, easier it? and more comfortable. It's not as stressful. It's not. It's weird how much variation there is in, yeah. in areas where you could buy a house. Variation in the money, like you know, I'm saying. Oh, what you can get. Yeah, and you know, another thing was is like when you walk to your car at night, and when you do certain things, you automatically feel safe out there like you could just sit there and just have money in your both of your hands and walk to your car after going to a movie and no one would give a shit do you, you remember know? that dude from that video that you made the dude who went to the one of your best videos by the way the heckler the drunk heckler in columbus oh yeah remember that one yeah dude that was first of all that was a awesome video you made because you the way you edited it was so funny it was just the dude was so ridiculous but we missed the best part of the story because this guy who had his shirt off in my comedy show, screaming, yelling. Oh, no shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I came off stage and I hugged him. It was like the most ridiculous shit of all time. He was just like so hammered. He was so crazy. We ran into him at the end of the night, 
face covered in blood, shirtless, just somebody beat the ah. fuck out of this guy. And I looked at him and I looked at him and I'm like, sorry, dude. Yeah. But yeah. We, did, we didn't we didn't fucking film it. We no, no one had anything on us. So we were like, shit. Yeah, I saw this dude. I was in um I was in San Jose. You ever do that fucking club in San Jose? The improv? Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking amazing. I was supposed to do it sometime soon, but the 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 show got moved. It was a, for a, I was going to do uh the Friday night before a UFC. Yeah. That place is like a 500-year-old ancient 1903, theater. 1903, Charlie Chaplin performed there. Jesus And the Christ. acoustics, you don't even need this a microphone. 500 years old. I'm just making shit up. Yeah. But there weren't people in California 500 years ago, stupid. I know. They were, what were the Aztecs doing a stand-up show? Isn't that weird that just 500 years ago there was no people? And you go to Europe and you like talk about Iraq. It's like they gotta, that's years. a history. Yeah, that San Jose Improv is one of the most beautiful interiors. Like the the inside and the feel of it, like it feels like a like a seasoned performance yeah. room. Yeah, it's you like a well worn room. And the guy yeah. that runs a gym is fucking treating me great. Anyway, professional bowler. Yes, he's a bad motherfucker. Right. Yeah, he was yeah. a Vietnam vet too. Good dude too. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he goes bowling and just fucks people up. Apparently, yeah. apparently he's like legit world class bowler. No and shit. he'll go to Vegas and people gamble in Vegas. You know, they get crazy. They're out there on vacation. Let's go bowl a few frames. They start talking shit, and you know he comes over and he knows how to hustle them too. He knows how to play their ego, and, wow. and he starts getting involved in a big gambling with some knuckleheads. And he, he's come back with like sick money from gambling nice. in Vegas. Yeah, and he's such a fucking cool guy, just unabashedly the real Positive. deal, cool, just a cool guy. Yeah, he's uh, and you know he got fucked, man. He went to Vietnam for three and a half years, came back, did his twenty-one years in the Navy. And now he's like, yeah, I get 120 bucks a month and fucking benefit. He goes, they cut all the benefits that you're promised, and including like going to the VA hospital to get get your glasses, dental, all that shit's gone. How can they do that? That's my what the fuck? You get pro- yeah. you go to war, you put your life on the line for the country, you are fucking taken care of. Period. That that is the biggest travesty happening yeah. right now. We That's had to do uh, some UFC fights. We did it for uh, this. Um, Institute for Traumatic Brain Injury, I believe it's called, and it was uh, they're they're building some huge thing, so they had to raise money for it. So the the UFC fights raised a lot of money for it. But one of the things I was thinking of is how crazy is it that there's these billion dollar deals that these people like Halliburton or these companies rather like Halliburton get billion dollar deals, and in it somehow or another is not the money for these rehabilitation centers. Like that's insane. The fact that they can profit off the war yeah. and not be giving anything back in the form of some at least you know do what what a charity's doing. At least do that. I mean, you're profiting from it. The charities are stepping in. That's exactly why it's privatized because the US government allows itself to be buffered from number 1 if there's a rape overseas it doesn't. It does not get processed in U.S. courts. Yeah, that's, they've got they've got all illegal people working the jobs. They t- tell these girls in the Philippines, Halliburton does through another agency that they get a, they're going to get a job doing hairstyling and they're going to make forty grand a year. They take them off and they're working at fucking Burger King in the mid in the mid east, sleeping in fucking tankers and paying off the money they had to pay to get over there for like five or six years before they make a dollar. Yeah, and, it's, and that's slavery. All, yeah, it's fucking slavery. It's slavery where they just they have it written down somewhere, so it's like okay to do. Yep. Somehow or another, it's because it's, okay it's not to, the U.S. government because the U.S. government is subcontracting to Halliburton, so yeah. that you know any kind of uh, any kind of uh, um, lawsuits that come in, 
don't they they don't touch the US government. And so yeah. they so they're not paying out to the soldiers because they have no real relationship to them. They figured out a way to do slavery without chains. Just make it so they can't leave. Yeah. Just make I mean you might lose one or two every now and then, but you can get them back, you can get different ones. And it's a, a terrifying sort of a situation, but that's like a lot of what's going on apparently in parts of the Middle East, in like Dubai. I oh, heard yeah. that that had gone on in some uh, construction sites. I think, didn't Vice do a special on that, Brian? I don't know. Well, yeah, Dubai, Vice things. Dubai brings in people from, um, I don't know, I can't remember what country it is, but they bring them in on these, they're not even, they're like work visas that yeah. are like a week long. And the second you're done with your work, you're gone. It's just you don't earn your way in. And so it's something like, you know, three quarters of the workforce is not from that country. And they just have these sprawling fucking camps that people live in. And then they kick them out as soon as they are instantly. No, no coverage in accidents whatsoever. Um, It's barbaric. It's fucked up, too, because, again, we're talking about the townies of the world. So they mm-hmm. really still are rocking it the same way they did a thousand years ago or yeah. several thousand years ago. They really are rocking it like that. Yeah. They're just rocking it like that behind the rules. I mean, they really do still still have kings. And uh, there was some piece on 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 um, uh, that dude um, who uh, we had Brian on the podcast the other day, David Seaman. He had something. That's his real name. Mm. Powerful dude. <laughs> Sorry, though. dude. He's a, he's a great guy. That is his real name. Um, and there was uh, something that he had on his uh, Twitter page that showed uh, how CNN had some stories about the um, Arab Spring uprising in Bahrain, and they decided not to uh, air it. And uh, apparently Bahrain is fucked up, man. Yeah. People started to make YouTube videos of it and put them online because yeah. there's not enough interest in, you know, there's so many. Everyone's aware of Saudi Arabia. Everyone's aware of, you know, what's happened in Egypt. Everyone's aware of Libya. But a lot of people are not aware of Bahrain. So they're still trying to keep this one locked down and while everything else is going on. But there's some horrific fucking footage, man. And it's just government-controlled media? Yeah, man. They're gunning people down. They're trying to s- stop a civil uprising. No you know? shit. It's, it's horrific. Horrific stuff, man. Yeah. Horrific stuff. And there's really graphic videos available online. And our interest in the Arab Spring ended about a year ago. People don't even know what's going on. Syria's worse than any of it, yeah. and people aren't even fucking tracking that. Because it's like, we eh, we already had Egypt, we already had Libya, we're, we've got our fill. What people don't understand is the apocalypse is here. It just hasn't reached California. But the apocalypse, if you're in Bahrain, that's the apocalypse. Mm. If friends are getting their heads blown off right next to you by sniper rifles, that's the apocalypse. I mean, this is a civil war. People are dying in the street. The government is gunning down civilians. I mean, it's craziness. But and what about the places that, like Egypt, that now has democratically elected... Do they really? Isn't it the Muslim Brotherhood? Doesn't yeah, they were voted in. They though. voted in. Oh, yeah. well, and they're, you know what? They're not as bad as people think. As they say, the they, sound rather, they sound scary. You know what though? <laughs> it's one of those things where they're gonna sneak it in. They get in office, uh-huh. everything's cool. Everybody gets a turkey at Thanksgiving. Two years later, the women are all in fucking potato sacks. I wonder how much longer that's gonna work with the internet, with the distribution of information that we have right now. It's gets harder and harder to convince kids of of nonsense. It's harder and harder. It's just not the same sort of animal that was around when we grew up. When we when we grew up. You know, even if you didn't believe in God, if it made no sense, you hedged your bet. You went along yeah. with everything, and yeah. you know, you believe it is real. I did all that shit I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you don't have a, a whole ton of faith in it, 
you don't have the kind of access to it, or we didn't rather have the kind of access to information that kids have today. Because if they have a question about anything, like why is the sky blue, they Google why is the sky blue. I mean, kids just are growing up doing that now. So if they ever have a question, you, you can't just bullshit them. Yeah, it's but not you're, as easy. you're assuming the internet stays as free as it is now. I mean, you just by saying Google, mm. uh, you know, so many people get their information from two portals. You got Wikipedia and Google, and if those are, you know, Google is part of a multinational corporation, and eventually they're going to rein it in because of corporate sponsors or because the same pressure CNN gets to not put out stuff about Bahrain, any big company is is ultimately going to be affected by the people that are running it. Did you hear that some of those elite hacker dudes hacked into a uh, an, an FBI laptop and found the names of a hundred of oh, no fourteen million uh, Apple iOS users? Oh, yeah, yeah. They found uh, information on them. Like, and I, same I with PlayStation what, Three. Yeah. They cracked into that database and got all those names it's, it's fucking crazy and xbox well because well, they but, challenged but the, what's them. Crazy i think xbox is, challenged them they said you'll never crack that it was either playstation 3 or xbox that challenged the hackers basically oh, you can't do that. and it was over <laughs> well, you it can't do that they know clock. they can get through anything yeah but the um the what was scary about it was uh that these you know th- this this whole hacker thing like really wasn't really recognized yeah yeah i mean when like when you see like that guy uh, Kevin Mitnick, you know who that guy is. Hacker. Um, Do you know who that guy is? He was I like a so. really famous hacker. Yeah. He was a guy who at one when, point ended in time, up they they offered him a job eventually at yeah. one of the big companies. He would do like what's called phone freaking, where you um, phone freaking you like you you figure out like how to get um, make calls through like a box that would send a tone down the line. This is like the step one into like the hacking the system. It was like back when dial tone phones came online. When dial see before dial tones, we all remember when you were a really little kid, you had to spin that dial, mm-hmm. which is really like alien to people today. But when you dial the number, you go because it was analog. It was ridiculous. And then they came out with a dial tone situation. But what someone realized somewhere along the line is that there's a computer or something interfacing on the other end that's responding to the tones, and those tones represent a number. So let's yeah. find out what those tones represent, and then we could fucking do whatever we want yeah. and have access to free, unlimited, long-distance calling. Because mm-hmm. remember, back then, you couldn't get long-distance. Long-distance was hard. Yeah. Like, if you dated a girl and she lived in the 508, you'd be like, oh, Jesus, that's, that's right. She lives way the fuck over there. It's long distance yep. and any any sort of uh, state crossing state lines long distance that was a long distance call your fucking parents would scream at you That's are you right. on long distance it could be 10 miles away remember you used to have a, a separate long distance company too like, yes. like I had yeah. AT&T but I had Sprint as yeah. my long distance that's right Sprint can save you money <laughs> do you remember when um, they used to have it for cell phones where long distance for cell phones was like super expensive? It was crazy expensive. Do you remember that? It was yeah. crazy So you'd expensive. use a calling card, which meant you had to punch in about 16 numbers before you put in the number you were calling. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I remember that. But this uh, this Kevin Mitnick guy, he started out doing that and then eventually went to being some sort of a, a full-blown hacker. But to go from that to be able to experience what's going on right now must be like really incredible to, to witness. Well, there's a group uh, that he is actually opposed to. There's a group that identifies itself as the, the somethings, and they are an international web of hackers that get off on doing it, and they've done everything. You're talking about Lulsec? Is that what it's called? That's one of them. There's a bunch. No, I don't think Anonymous. it's Lulsec. Anonymous. Anonymous. That's oh, really? This? <laughs> yeah, okay. and he came out against Anonymous because he, for him, cracking the codes was about 
the science. It was about the art of doing it. Right. And these guys are much more into sabotage. They have a political agenda. You know, they, they out corporations and they mm-hmm. blackmail them. And so, um, you know, the, the bottom line is you're never going to get the talent on the payrolls that is going to be out there because they're independent-minded people. They're anti-establishment people. They yeah. don't. They don't want to be on a payroll because they don't. They don't want to be told what to do. They offer. They offer this guy a job, and he went to Microsoft or one of those big companies for like six months. They basically wanted him off the streets. They wanted him in house, and he just got bored and he fucking left. Well, that was the 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 big issue was that why did the FBI have these fourteen million iOS mm. users information? Why they have that on their laptop? Like that's like what? How much? What? What? To what extent is spying already going on on almost every American civilian? Because it's probably gotten pretty fucking crazy now. Do you feel like when you're making a text message that you're sending it to the government as well? Yeah, they saw my dick. They've seen me talk about fucking farts. They, I mean, like what? what I, I'm not worried about anything. I understand that you're not worried about it, but do you understand that giving people that kind of access to information oh. is not? It's not cool. The, yeah. Who are they? Why should we agree that they should be the ones who are allowed to look at all this stuff and be fair? at this data. I think that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to allow someone to be in that sort of voyeuristic position and not yeah, utilize but look, it. Look, I mean, look at look at Anonymous or look at any of these hacking groups. Uh, they those files when they ha- when people hacked like, you know, PlayStation and stuff mm-hmm. like that. If you were in the right circles, you'd be able to have that file, you know, and <laughs> like you can oh download God. those. Things. What are you trying to say? Like it's it's if you wanted information, like if you wanted all this information, you yourself could get it right now if you went online. Like if you wanted all these people's PS3 names and numbers or oh iOS six uh, informations, you know, the FBI got it online. Also, you know, there's you, torrent know websites saying. that you can download all this information off. Of. There's torrent websites where you can download stolen, stolen information. Absolutely, really, absolutely. So, what are these websites so this like? This person's this FBI like guy. He could have his job could have been like going to torrent websites and downloading shit. You know, he might have also had Beauty and the Beast in 3D. You know, on his. <laughs> On, on his laptop, you know, who who knows? Who cares? I mean, like, if they're going to single you out, they they're going to single you out. I, dude, I completely <laughs> appreciate your um, you're not wanting to get upset at the experience and like, who gives a fuck? I'm not doing anything wrong. But the real problem is you give people too much power and they fucking abuse it. Yeah, like, and that's down why the there's road. all these psychological like fail safes that are set up into our system that are, you know you're not supposed to have too much power. It's supposed to be yeah. like a whole checks and balances system to make sure that people don't get out of hand because they do naturally. And if someone all of a sudden can check your phone, someone all of a sudden can read all your emails, they're going to. Yeah, why and the bottom line they? is right yeah. now that seems safe because there's no imminent right. threat. But you see a guy like Rick Perry become president and load up the fucking <laughs> FBI and CIA no, with no, his no, people. No, 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 they're going to no, go, no. we want the Christian values protected in this country, and they're going to start going after the guys that put their dicks online, and you're going to be fucking, you know, I'm not going to be rounded up, and, but you're gonna, they're going to take away. And that's away. when Anonymous is way more intelligent than the government. You know, their hackers are way better than shit. Well, take over do you think that that will eventually happen it's a a fascinating idea the idea that the civilization will be taken over through the internet and that the internet is because everything is going to be run through the internet they would figure out some way of having a a a constantly changing code that you can never crack and they use it to just uh, to manipulate wealth and then if you as long as you keep your shit together they keep everything running smooth yeah but look what we did to you know look what israel did to iran's uh internet you know they fucking blew it up they were able to crack every, you know, and we're talking about 
the most intense uh, firewalls that, that could be put up by, you know, a pretty wealthy country, Iran, and they got in there and they fucking destroyed everything. And I, I think you're right. There's got to be a fail safe in place for every country and an overall scheme. I mean, there's no way somebody's not had the foresight to put that stuff in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of amazing when you stop and think about the ultimate goal of all this stuff is to connect us all in some really fucking strange way. You know, the ultimate goal of all this technology is that there's not going to be any privacy in a decade. It won't exist. It'd be something that we look back on when we were kids. You're going to be able to go, I want to rent this six-foot like, room or whatever uh, two years ago at 3.15, seven, you know, uh, here's the date. You're going to be able to take the date, the time, and go, I want to see video and hear sound of what happened in that room. Yeah, you know, well, I bet you ago. will be. I bet eventually you will be. Well, you know, the idea that has been proposed is that if you get a computer that's strong enough, and wrap your head around this because this is really hard to fucking absorb, that if you get a computer that's strong enough to record everything that has happened in this world, like every person that exists in this world, every business that's been created, and put all of this into a data bank, and extrapolate over a period of no more than you know x amount of days or hours that if this computer with given enough data giving the the knowing the characteristics of all these people which eventually there'll be no room there'll be no limitations when it comes to processing power and no limitations when it comes to storage space you literally will be able to store everything that ever happens and that this computer with just a few weeks of data might be able to go backwards mathematically and tell you the absolute accurate origins of, of life on Earth. And that it might literally, by studying things not just on a physical level, but like on a subatomic level, mm-hmm. that there might be enough information that they could figure out pretty accurately what happened, like how a human being even came from the primordial slime, how it got to be a human. Like it, it might be able to show you the you know the the birth of culture, and it might be able to show you with a, with a supercomputer like what's caused all of this, like what how like this start caused that and that caused this. Like it might be something that you could figure out mathematically. Well, what's amazing is that how slow evolution is. I mean, you people think physical, that, yeah. I mean, physical evolution takes so long. You you can't even wrap your head around the amount of time that it would take for hair to not grow on your nose yeah you know i mean it you're talking fucking millions of years of time for shit to really happen so it's you know you know what's crazy not always man one of the things that they're finding out is that in some instances it takes place much quicker than they expected like in the congo the congo is a rare spot because it used to be grasslands but then it became a rainforest pretty quickly and a lot of animals got trapped that are grasslands animals like uh, antelopes and stuff, they got trapped in the Congo, and some of them learn how to fucking swim. There's an a animal that's an antelope, I think it's called a diker, and it swims and eats fish. It can go underwater 100 yards. I mean, it's fucking crazy. This is an antelope, man. I mean, oh. it's adapted and evolved. And if you look at all the, the, the animals that exist, there's a BBC Congo documentary <coughs> that I've uh, brought up before. If you can find it online, get it. It's fucking sensational. It just shows you all the freaky shit that's in the wow. Congo. The birds and the lizards and the fucking the fish that come out of the water and walk to the next pond yeah, yeah. and jump in. I mean, that's fucking nuts, man. That's 
it's it's a really really weird spot in this world. And What's it exists the film there called? Right now, it's just called Congo. It's a BBC documentary on the Congo. Huh. But these fucking things have this has only happened over like a couple thousand years. Oh. And so they wonder like when did this antelope start swimming and eating fish? Like before it was out a little like almost like a little tiny deer yeah. running around. But now it's eating fish. Like what the fuck, man? Like how and you hungry wonder about that shit. Like get? you know, they got that nuclear power plant down the coast here, yeah. and they they talk about the changes in the fish around there because there's a certain amount of heat that emanates from the uh, power uh. plant into the ocean, and they say that there's been a change in uh, the looks of some of the fish. Oh Jesus Christ! Have of a nice course dinner. There is. <laughs> I wonder what what happens if you eat. I mean, if it, I think it would be really bad for the fish to get all that radioactivity. But how bad is it for you to eat like a radioactive halibut? Well, that's why they say don't eat old fish. Don't eat fucking don't eat tuna stuff. Eat, eat fish that lives and dies very quickly. Salmon, why is that? Because the longer they're around, the more they're they're taking in um, toxins. What is it? Yeah, but specifically, what's the metal that you? Arsenic's one of them. No. Um, Mercury? Mercury. Yeah. The longer they live, the more mercury goes in their system. I had uh, I tested for high levels of arsenic from eating too many sardines. No shit. Yeah. I used to like to eat sardines. I used to eat them like a can a day, sometimes two. Wow. Disgusting. How was you your breath? You say disgusting, but I enjoyed it. Probably smelled Why are you trying to make me feel bad? Can't you just Rosie enjoy O'Donnell's the fact? breath. Wah, wah, wah. Come on. Just get it. Come on. You get it? I did Rosie O'Donnell's uh, TV show. She had a TV show on Oprah's Chicago? network for a while. Yeah, yeah. How was it? She's very nice. Yeah? Yeah, she's nice. She gave me a big hug and everything. She's into conspiracy theories. She just had a heart attack. Is she? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huge. Yeah, she likes to talk 9-11. She likes to talk. She's got some points. She's got some valid points. Hey, she's she always been uh, honest. I respect that. She didn't send up any uh, wacko radar on uh, my side. You know, I'm a, I'm one of those guys that uh, I'll, I'll listen to anybody. Anybody telling any crazy conspiracy theory, I'll listen, you know, for the most part. But... I know when people are just like really reaching, and she wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. She's, but she's, you know, she was on that show with like Elizabeth Hafflebach, who's like the really hot chick, yeah. who's like super Republican. Yeah, yeah. They would go to war about, you know, like Tower Seven and nine yeah. eleven conspiracies, and ugh. yeah. And she also said some shit, didn't she? Defend, uh, uh, what's his name, Mel uh, Gibson. Mel Gibson, uh, she, really? I think she said. <laughs> I forget, not a full-on defense, but sort of like way more than he should have gotten. Like, but here's the thing about I think being somebody who is an alter, an alternate lifestyle person right. is that you have to depart from the status quo to be who you really are. And I think with that, you get some clarity and some truth in your life that you can apply to other things, conspiracy uh-huh. theories or whatever. Because she's she's different. So I think once you're labeled different, it frees you in a way. That's interesting. Yeah, well, she doesn't have to conform, and she's a big lesbian. Everybody knows she's a lesbian. She's powerful. She's got a lot of money. Chicks like her. She gets hot chicks. <laughs> it's she of, does. It's a tricky situation. Yeah. Hey, Brian, did we freeze up? Mm-mm. It shows I'm, I'm frozen up. Okay, just came back when I asked you. Your video? That's voodoo. Yeah, we were frozen for A lot while. of people watch the video? I don't know. Not as many. Um, we just, we, it's probably we would do way better if we didn't even have it. Do you, it's true. I, I just released a podcast that was audio only, all, yeah. Olive Garden podcast. Yeah, and, it's called Ready Olive Garden Butthole. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Olive Garden Butthole. <laughs> That's the name of the podcast? Yeah, and we actually record it live at the Olive Garden. It's pretty stupid. They let you do it? <clears throat> we they had a show know. the other day, and these people brought Brian breadsticks from the Olive Garden. Yeah, it's a show. In an Olive Garden bag. It's yeah. become the most ridiculous, repetitive joke. <laughs> it's so silly. It's, but yeah, by the way, like how, how awesome was that fucking show? 
Oh, oh amazing, awesome. dude. It, both Friday and Saturday night with Doug Stanhope yeah. and, and, and yeah. Joey Diaz and Ari. So much fun. We, um, we were supposed to do shows in Vegas, and I was supposed to have a UFC in Vegas, but uh, the fight got canceled, so we, we moved it to the Ice House. That, do, you, do you go up there much besides uh, when you do my shows there? Do you ever do weekends there? I've never done it in my life. you got to. love to got do it. It's, yeah. the, it's one of the best clubs ever. It's so perfect. It's just such an old, seasoned place. Short, fucking, like, really uh, low ceiling. Like, really tight, tight That's seating. wide, but not oh, deep. It's perfect. It's perfect. perfect I, I, did, I did some sort of a show. I think George Lopez hosted it in 1994. That was the first time I ever went to the Ice House. Oh, wait, it was it 94, a, son, what were you, six? Was it a TV 94? show? They had a yeah, TV 20. show for a while. Damn. He was, <laughs> he was 20, and I was on stage at the Ice House yeah. doing some TV show. Yeah, I did the show. Yeah. I think George Lopez, didn't sounds he? Right. Um, wasn't he right. the host of it? Very Latino club, too, isn't it? Not anymore. No, we whitied up. We whitied the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Still a lot of Latinos. Yeah, that area has got a lot of Latinos. San Jose is like But that. we brought in a lot of white boys. Yeah. A lot of white kids. Just Good. the right they amount s- of Asians. They said that there's a totally different uh, vibe to the club now since we've been doing a lot of shows there, which is great. You know, the the waiters and the people that work there are always complimenting awesome. the audiences and seeing yeah. how nice awesome they are. People. Yeah, we, we bring in a nice group of people. We're, we're super lucky. And don't think that we don't appreciate the fuck out of that because I know people that are scared of their audiences and they don't want to hang out with their audience. They run from them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice that, uh, you know, like after the shows, we, we're always there talking. I mean, we've, we've had many nights where we stay till you know, 1.30 in the morning. No, I remember the last the one you stood out there and they it was really nice and orderly. They sort of like... People lined up, yeah. they came in, took a picture, said hello. Yeah, we just say, but, there, but a lot of it is cool conversations, too. Yeah. Like the guy, who, I told you, the Iraq guy who told me uh, you know, about going over there and flooding the uh, economy with money. He told yeah. me the whole really interesting thing, because he was just a young kid who just fucking fucked up and joined. Yeah. And here he is under this crazy... You Life know, false changed. pretense. But he was talking about how he was there, and he was like, you know, talking to someone who is like a sergeant, some guy had been there for a while, and saying, well, you know, we're over here to, uh, you know, fight for freedom and all this stuff. And the guy goes, what the fuck are you talking about? He goes, we're here to get oil. Yeah. And he was like, what? He goes, yeah, we're here for the oil. We've got to control the oil. That's why we're here. They mm-hmm. built a, po- a pipe from Kosovo. They already prepared for this. Yeah. And he was like, what? Mm-hmm. And he remembers, you know, talking about like, he was talking about how he remembers that that was just like a shattering moment in his life. He was like, "Holy shit, this isn't a movie. Yeah, like this, this, this is crazy." He volunteered for some nutty ass fucking war. Well, every fucking war, man. Every war that we've ever fought, there's been another reason. Yeah, know? but that one, you know, especially the people that joined after nine eleven. There's a lot of people that joined that really thought they were going to do a difference. They really thought they were going to go straight fucking war hero style and reclaim America. Yeah, like, but don't you, you know, think that's true of every, every war we've gotten into? Pretty much, except Vietnam. I think the reason why they had to draft people in yeah. Vietnam was because Vietnam was like super unpopular war that we probably never could get off today. It just with the, with the internet, you wouldn't be able to pull off that sort of Gulf of Tonkin incident. Mm. They would have to actually have a real event. They yeah. really, but they've done that before, man. You know, Hitler did that. Nero did that. Oh yeah, the People whole sinking of the Lusitania. Shit. They say yeah. it was the, uh, that happened twenty two months before we declared war. Yeah, that was it. That was just an excuse we used because we were an emerging nation. We wanted to be one of the big boys. Yeah, and there was this war going on, and we said, "Fuck! If Germany wins, we've been supplying. Uh, we were making a ton of money supplying the uh, the Allied forces, and if they lost." We were never going to get, they owed us fucking billions in debt 
If they lost, we weren't getting that money. We went in there to hedge our bets and make sure that it went the right way. Yeah. So we pretended the Lusitania was the reason we were going in. A bunch of Americans were on a ferry ship. They got tour. Let's get in there. And they played it, played on the hard strings. And well, before drones and missiles and high speed aircrafts and all the shit that we have today, you had to use strategy to win a war. And strategy, much like in chess, involves sacrifice. Yeah. Okay, and there's no way to win a war if you're not willing to sacrifice some of your troops. Mm. And unless you understand that, you're going to be a shitty general, and you're going to make even more people die. Mm. Okay, so the realities of war dictate that you do something unbelievably horrific and make sure that a certain amount of your people die. Apocalypse so, yeah. now. The final words said by Marlon Brando. He says, "Do you think we're going to win this war?" And he goes. We came in and we vaccinated a bunch of kids who'd, who'd, uh, who'd been infected. Their arms or their legs had been infected with gangrene or whatever, and we inoculated them. And the tribal elders came back, and when they found out we'd done it, they macheted off the limbs of all the children. And that's when, that's when Marlon Brando went, the horror. He's like, that's how you win a war. When you're willing to do that, you win yeah, the war. Yeah, you got to be willing to take shit to the very, very highest human level. And that includes doing horrific things to your enemy. I mean, if you ever read the accounts of what the uh, American soldiers did to American Indians, oh, to yeah. the Native Americans when they were, you know, trying to clear out land, they did some horrendous thing. They would wear like women's vaginas on their hats. Whoa! They would cut what? them out. Yeah, these are American soldiers. Yeah, there's a lot of accounts of that kind of shit. What is like hair pieces? Just put it on their hat, you know. Just like they have a fucking cowboy hat on, just stick a woman's pussy to their hat that they cut off of an Indian that they butchered. I would wear like a fake Amer mustache. or a Native American, I should say. That You'd they wear butchered. what? Yeah. Like a fake mustache or something. Well, I got I got into this uh, this w w weird sort of a uh, uh, Native uh, American fascination thing for a while, and I was reading like a lot of shit about how just the different ways that the 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 people that migrated here started just killing them. Like yeah. I mean, and how like these like people had no idea what the fuck was coming i mean it's really an incredible amount of people were wiped out over a short period of time and it doesn't get nearly the amount of attention and respect like in our culture as as it deserves it genocide yeah slavery gets a lot more because it was like just before the, we kind of like stopped that sort of at the same time mm. but you know it's really in a in a a horrific thing when you really stop and look at the actual numbers of people that died. Well, people look at the Germans and they've still got, you know, the stigma of the Nazis. We're going to we'll end in 10 minutes. We'll stay with the Germans forever. But what you don't look at is, you know, what Great Britain did around the world, whether you're talking about Africa, Asia, India, right. you know, what they, the amount of people that died in the name of Manifest Destiny or Christianity. You know, the British are truly, the per capita, have committed more atrocities than any race in history. And yet, wasps in this country, it doesn't get any better. They are the most heralded. There's no, there's no racist jokes about the, the, the British. It's true, except their teeth, you know. Yeah. It's it. That's not bad. Not bad at all. It's, it's they true. They have vaginas, too. They have big vaginas? Yeah. Because they, like, they have bigger heads, so like, they're babies or they have bigger heads. Wow. I didn't hear that part. <laughs> But yeah, it's well. What's really incredible is that we're the byproduct of all that craziness, all the the raping and pillaging and sword fighting and shit. It's all come to you know Native Americans being killed and people trekking across and then boom, 
here we are. I mean, we're at the very end of the time. We're at the west coast of California, the United States, the last spot that people settled in the free world. Yeah. This is the new world's final chapter. I mean, if you really stop and think about it, there's no, unless Antarctica defrosts and we start moving cities up there. Yeah. What if that becomes like the new cool place, like the perfect weather? Well, that's like what LA. happened to uh, Greenland. Be. You know, all of a sudden Greenland became, no, Iceland <laughs> became the place because it warmed the fuck up and they were, there's hot chicks. Wow. And everybody went. It became like the, the fastest growing economy in the world for a while. Yeah, we have to collapsed. accept the fact that this whole planet spins in a weird way and it goes through cycles where shit gets really fucking cold. Yeah. And when that happens in your spot, you got to move. You can't yeah. be, we can't be like completely dedicated to one spot. It's ridiculous because you look at the history of the world, they find these megalodon teeth in Montana. Mm -hmm. These giant shark teeth from this fucking 80-foot long monster shark that used to live, they find them in Montana. Yeah. That means Montana was the ocean. Yeah. Like you can't just say, "I don't care about the ocean. I'm staying here." You can't. Yeah. It goes away. Yeah. It's going to get you. You yep. got it. You can't if you're living in Malibu, you're living in a fucking dream, okay? That's right. Those people that live like on the water, good luck. Good okay? luck. Good call. You're at the edge. Are you that confident that yep. the edge is going to stay there? Do you put your finger right near a fan every day? <laughs> that's how I that's feel like just living in LA though. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in a so certain extent. But I think that if the real the real thing happens like that like something that the water comes this far in you know we're already dead we're already dead well this you look at like craziness. i was down in, in mexico at easter and we were in uh you know um south of cancun that whole that whole Chichen Itza. area yeah exactly yeah, Palum, you, that shit was you know we go into cenotes and you go down 100 feet and they're showing you in the caves all of these fucking you know that the ocean Basically, there was a tsunami that landed on that area, and it took thousands of years for the water to drain through that land again. And and it was just it was fucking underwater. Yeah. They're they're finding hundreds of cities in Europe and in the in the oceans. They're finding the remnants. It's on a constant basis. Yeah. On like a, a you know it's it's happening. I said hundreds, but it's really been dozens. But it really has been like super frequent that they're finding more and more of these ancient civilizations that are underwater. Yeah. It's gonna ha it's it's just gonna happen. It's just what it is. The 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 Earth doesn't give a fuck about you. Remember there used to be the whole thing of like there's the lost city of Atlantis. Yeah. Like no, there's about a thousand of them. Yeah. There's, Places that went underwater. Yeah, there's so much underwater shit. There's, I mean, and, and by the way, how much shit is underwater? I mean, like, what do you get? Like ten thousand years before the ocean changes it, where you can never recognize it again? Yeah. How long does it actually stay with all those waves and shit happening? How long before that stuff is unrecognizable? How long, salt I mean, how long, water, which yeah. just erodes shit. Yeah, sand and covered in sand and shit. Yeah. How fucking many ships are out there? What a terrifying way to die that must have been. Yeah. You know, get in a boat hit a iceberg and then realize you are just fucking days by boat from anywhere yeah. out in the middle of the ocean. I dude, I went I was boogie boarding yesterday and I went too far out and big fucking waves. Whoa. So I get fucking slammed. First I'm going under these giant waves. I mean these are like seven foot waves. And I start going under them and then which you normally can do, but then it was fucking sucking me and I'd spin. So I do it like three or four times, and I'm trying to go out past the waves so that I can get my air right. because I ain't getting in. I look up, right. and I'm fucking like 50 yards out. Whoa. And I just start. So then I finally catch one. I take it a little bit, and then I go under, flipped around, and now I can touch the sand. But the waves are still fucking giant, and so they're landing on me, and I can't get under the wave. So it's fucking hitting me into the sand and spinning me, oh. and I can't get out. So long story short, I finally fucking... 
just scramble and there's a lifeguard waist deep coming at me. And he's like, dude, are you all right? He's like, you got fucking pounded. And the thing is, I, he, my wife, there's a whole bunch of people watching me, my family, all my friends and shit. And they're like, were you scared? And I was like, I didn't have time. It never occurred to me because I'm sure it's like when you fight. If you stop and are scared for a second, You'll you just up. lost your fucking ability to problem solve. Yes. I hate that And then feeling. my back is on fire today and I realize how fucked up I got. Well, the only way to stop that feeling is to get over it. No, I mean that, that feeling being in water yeah. and just getting like tossed and yeah. like, you know, like it just sucks. Oh, it's, if you haven't had a, an experience like that where you have to really operate under extreme pressure, it can be really debilitating. Some people just immediately give up. It gets really scary. Whereas some people find like surprising resolve. Yeah. You know, it's a weird thing about human beings, like how much your, your mind is capable of doing. Five minutes, bitches. And people are one way or the other. Yeah, let's just wrap this up because uh, we're running out of time. At, at three hours, Ustream turns into a pumpkin. Was it three hours? Falls off. You fucking, yeah. we did it again. Holy yeah, we shit. do it every time, Fitzsimmons. I love it. It's been a lot of fun, buddy. Yeah, thanks, you're. Man. I mean, uh, as as far as like people that I've known, you like you're up there with, like one of the longest people I'm still in contact with in my life. Feels good. Yeah, it's great, buddy. Yeah, we're gonna have some fun, play some pool. Definitely. Powerful. Uh, can I plug the out. fuck yeah. out of my yeah, one-hour yeah. special? When is it? Tarrytown, New York, September 14th at the Music Hall. For Let's do this. As a promo code, till uh, till the uh, 9th, go to fitzdog.com, get tickets. Put in Fitzdog in the promo code when you get your tickets. $10 tickets. Tell your friends, tell your family, i got to jam this place. Two shows on a Friday night. I'll be doing the best material I've been doing for three years fucking nailed it down i'm ready i want you there to share it with me you look very confident my friend you look ready to rock and roll i feel right greg fitzsim is a very funny stand-up he's been doing it like i said 20 what are we at 23 years now dude sounds about right something like that yeah crazy yeah old school skills son so go check that out where's your website again fitzdog.com f-i-t-z and fitzdog radio is the podcast and go to death squad get tv and get yourself a, a juicy delicious tv t-shirt oh isn't it death squad I you said go to death squad and get a tv and i'm like what I have TV. do you fuck up the commercials that i make for you you <laughs> silly bitch go to death squad.tv if you would people ask where to get the um the um, brian redband versions of the death squad t-shirts they're all there the uh the one that i like the, i like the the cat and the new one but i like the Thanks for not, knocking my shit shirt. <laughs> I'm not knocking it. So I like I your shirt, but I don't like everything except I like this one part of it. I'm just telling you what I like. You want me to lie? I'm telling you what I like. You tell me what you like. It's part of. Uh, I love being the new shirt. shirt. I've heard nothing but positive things about it. A lot it from of people everybody. love it. Me, I love this free Pussy Riot shirt that I got right here. But this the cool thing about the shirt is that all of the proceeds go to DeskSquad.tv so I can pay for everything and. That's what the shirt is about, DeskWad.tv. Well, you mean all the money goes to you is what you're trying to say. Yeah, so you can and go guess who pays for do, everything do, in this do, thing. Do, do. Pays for everything in this thing? I pay all... <laughs> it, never mind. I don't want you to do it. Okay. So yeah, the t-shirt goes right to all the podcasts that I provide at DeskSquad.tv and all the shows. You heard that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks to Onnit.com. That's O-N-N-I-T. Uh, makers of Alpha Brain, New Mood, Shroom Tech, and the new Hemp Force with Maca and Raw Cocoa. Go get some of that. And um, we will see you guys tomorrow with the great Ari Shafir. And we will see you guys Thursday with the great Rick Ross. The real Rick Ross. Not that rapper dude, but the actual guy. The good so, one. Should be cool. Thank you guys. We'll see you soon.